You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Like the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benham. And I'm JP. And JP, we've just been in our pre-show with our patrons, chatting all kinds. Uh, you know, uh, money money laundering fronts, uh, seasonal shops, <laughs> finance alarms, <laughs> American sweet shops, rail strikes, the WS cars. Uh, it's been a laugh, eh? but we're here for the uh, yeah. <laughs> for the A show. Um, definitely the uh, the podcast itself. How are you, mate? How are you on this uh, this fine Monday night, mate? Well, I had a very opposite weekend to you. Let's just say, first of all, happy birthday. It was, it was your, your birthday of the weekend. Oh, I had COVID. So, um, yes, uh, sweet, sweet irony coming back to bite me on the arse yet again. Um, so I've, <laughs> I've been kind of pretty much laid up since then, mm. but uh, slowly, slowly getting it together. Um, mm. With the help of Impact Wrestling, in, in order to get back in, into the into the land of the living, but no, no, not as nice a weekend as you, because you uh, you celebrated your twenty seventh birthday, if I remember rightly. I did, I did, yeah, that twenty seven, yeah, hundred percent, mate. Yeah, definitely not near and ever closer to fucking forty. Um, sorry, no offense. Fucking steady on. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. As Carl's just points out in the chat, it is in fact Tuesday. Uh, we did miss Monday because of JP's uh, yeah. COVID, but yeah, uh, no, it was a good birthday, mate. Spent a spent a day out in the park, you know. Had a had a good uh, good day, a uh, good weekend. I don't know. As you get older, it can't just feel stupid, really. Be like a birthday. It's like I almost feel like. You know, you want to say do oh, it's my birthday, I want to do stuff. Just like just they'll just be like, ah, you know, you're a fucking thirty or eight year old man, just like, you know, go to the pub, shut up. Like, you know, it's like yeah. it's it's not special don't get you born on this day. Is it supposed to be am I supposed to care? Is it supposed to be special? I don't know. I think at this point I've got I, I kinda realise that now. It's like as the years go on, there's like less and less like big gatherings with like kind of uh, all your mates and stuff like that. People just kinda just go, eh. Whatever you know, I'm, I'm a year older. Is it that much? Maybe the big ones, the thirty, the forty, maybe forty will be a, will be a, a big milestone. Maybe I'll have a a big party for that. Maybe we could uh, could do something, but. Yeah, I don't think it really counts. It's not that that important. It's it's more important. It was uh, you know I I do share share a birthday with uh, with Aaron of uh, of uh, everything elite fame and yeah more to the point. Unfortunately, Boris Johnson, um, which mm-hmm. isn't great, but more to the point, I do share a birthday with TNA. You know, it was their twenty year anniversary as well. So I don't know why I didn't. I don't think I'm, I'm up until this year. I've never really properly considered that as a as a thing that me and uh, me and TNA had a birthday. I don't think I ever connected the dots that they uh, they launched on the nineteenth of uh, of June and. In 2002, you know, it's uh, kind of wild to think well, I was the... 18 at that time, but yeah, you're the prodigal son, mate, didn't you? <laughs> you rejected TNA against <laughs> even though you shared the birthday for as very long, should have gone with them chasing, to ROH. chasing, chasing that fool's errand of ROH, weren't you? Mm. Diving around Wisconsin in the <laughs> early, two, early 2000s, the glory days, as we were. 
the glory days. Um, what a place to go to first time in the States. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it, I forgot what I was going to say there. Completely lost my train of thought there. Sorry. That'll be the COVID speaking. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Have you nice COVID all right, though? Though. Everyone was sending you very well wishes, mate. There was a lot of... Uh, they were. Apart from nice the memory lost there, there um, <laughs> I I'm, I'm actually am doing all right. Now, I knew what I was going to say. It was, you know, but you're fighting off that midlife crisis, mate. Just remember mm. that. Just, uh, I, I've been I've been living in that fantasy world for quite some time now at this stage. I'm just waiting for the grey to become more pronounced on the beard and then completely uh, let it let it go but yeah you look forward to your 40s you give even less of a shit than you did in your 30s and it's great i'll take that because i kind of i'm looking at it thinking like when i was 18 what would i have thought of like 38 <laughs> year old benno like i would have, I would have thought he was a fucking grown-up who had his shit together knew what he was doing instead i've got well i was gonna say i've got two wrestling podcasts i've got one now i've got one wrestling podcast and, and a patreon <laughs> and i tweet a lot <laughs> that's what i've achieved <laughs> and that's lots in this day and age, come on, let's be. Uh, don't 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 do yourself down. Um, but yeah, very sad news uh, about about BWE um, as well. Mm. But, uh, going out in a blaze a blaze of glory with the. Uh, uh, the I mean, we should have got six months ago. Should we? Let's all be honest. Like you know, <laughs> we ran out of things to say. At least right. I did. Maybe I'm just projecting, but I think I ran out of things to say about Britres at least like eighteen mm. months ago. At this place. Like I'm, I'm like Bart Simpson. You know, the I didn't do it episode where someone pulls a drawstring on his back and he says I didn't do it. Someone pulls a drawstring on his back and I go, Britres is dead, or I go, Ah, oh, progress is shit, innit? Ah, oh, Red Pro's okay though. Like you, everyone knows. Like <laughs> I've made my opinions clear on Britres. You know, all these young wrestlers aren't really that good. TNT's all right. I enjoy going to that for a for a bit of a night out. Most of the most of the other promotions are a bit crap, though. You know, these younger wrestlers have got a big shoes to fill, and they're probably not to fill in it. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what I think. You know, I don't think there's any like new um, new ground I can cover really on it. Like literally on this BW Shane Martin <laughs> tried to throw to me because <laughs> I, I I honestly did just think we were like because we had Jamesy on. And then we had uh, Ollie on as well, which is great. It was dead good to be able yeah. to, uh, to chat to those two lads again, especially, you know, obviously we do a lot of stuff with Jamesy, so it was cool to uh, to speak to him, but cool to, to speak to Ollie again. Um, I've not, uh, not podcasted her in a while, but, like, there was a point where Martin was like, like, when we got to the actual Brit Red stuff, I was like, so, Benno, what you think? What what you think about the uh, the, the progress stuff? I was just like, sorry, that was a bad Martin impression. I, was just was like, I don't care. Like I, was, I think it was the most honest I've ever been on a BWS. I was like, I literally don't care. Like, I, who cares? How could you possibly care? Send it over to Andy. He can give you a take. I think I think if it's come to that point, Nate, I think it's um, time to hang up the uh, the boots. Uh, although you know the odds and lads are keeping it keeping stuff going. They'll be doing a lot of Brit Red stuff on uh, on their feet yeah. when they're when they're allowed into shows and stuff. So you know, I'm sure we'll we'll occasionally cover stuff over here. You know, if something important happens, you know, we'll we'll talk it here too. Well, I was gonna watch. I never got round to seeing it. Epic Encounter. Like at some point, I do want to. I, I do want to see that. And there is like, but I'm kind of with you. I mean, the whole scene is in a massive rebuilding phase and the rest of it. It's not even something we speak about. You still become the avatar for like when people want to have a pop at you and they sort of somebody use Brit rest and it's just like, fucking it. You don't really have a clue what you're talking about on there. I am resp- I've learned that this week. I am responsible for the, re- the opinions of every Brit on Twitter. 
Or, yeah. well, it's between me, Shade Silver, uh, Global Force Gold, and, uh, and Jamesy, who gets lumped in with us to Paul just because we dragged him on to do a British wrestling podcast for like, uh, you know, a year or so. He's, he gets lumped in with the Brits, which is uh, very unfair on uh, on old Jamesy. But we're all one hive, man, mate, with, uh, mm-hmm. with one singular opinion. That's the worst thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. People, if, I'm, if I'm like on the wind up on Twitter, like that's one thing I won't miss. Like I will miss being on post regularly because obviously i still want to keep doing stuff with posts going forward and hope love, love john and wayne hopefully uh we'll continue to uh to do stuff but i don't know having in my bio that i'm the host of the british wrestling experience it just gives the trolls ammo because it's like oh here he is another brit res dog and it's like i don't even like it though and then they go to me yeah but so why'd you do a brit res podcast and i've never had an answer so my answer now can be well i don't do a fucking brit res podcast anymore so fuck off ps tune into the 24 hour charity stream coming up um, <laughs> that'll be my answer <laughs> Bastards! You got out early, mate. You and uh, you and Joe managed to uh, turn this into something a lot more interesting. No, uh, it's I, I I don't know how you be you when they start going into that that things about like covering the scene and the rest of it. I I just I don't know. I will be going to coverage. Uh, it doesn't deserve I know. it. Like Martin is so Martin is such a fucking good host. Like and I had so yeah. much fun doing the show. Like every month, even towards the end. Like me me Martin and Andy who was brilliant too. Like we you know we had, had for ages, you know, Andy doing this little you know his reports on like the Northwest scene and like he was I feel you know bad that he kind of you know joined on with us near the end because like Andy was the saving grace of a lot of those, you know, and their episodes because he, you know, until recently yeah. was the was the man on the ground, you know, going to these shows and he's got his ear to the ground and he is though the man for bit res right now if you want uh, anybody's uh, opinion mm. on it i would uh, i'll be going to the ogden's first and uh and anybody else second and i love doing that. i love chatting with the lads once a month but like it's the subject matter it's like a, there comes a point where it is it's getting blood from a stone yeah yeah it is i mean i i have to say and i, I can echo thought martin is such a great host like absolutely phenomenal like hosting is something that terrifies me and you'll brilliant at it and at yourself as well i'm just like kind of in awe for that but like you say it's that subject matter isn't it it really is it's just like something you just think no i can't be like you manage to make it entertaining whilst at the same time like normally i'd just be like subject matter i'd be completely like switched off on Mm. which just says something that says something about yourself but the charity stream will be fantastic and um i think am i the last person on that you are? I think like I'm the 11 a.m. I'm just back from Turkey, mate. I'll be back from Turkey like 4 a.m. the morning mm. before. Don't know how much how good I'll be that day. <laughs> I imagine you two will be going fucking mental at that point. <laughs> yeah, I think we will. Like it's uh, July the uh, the 16th, 17th, so 12 p.m. on the. I say 16th, 17th because it's from 12 p.m. on the uh, the 16th through to 12 p.m. on the 17th as we. Uh, Send off Martin in style. There will be like a form yes. of a BW episode as part of the uh, a stream as yeah. well. There's loads of loads of guests there. You know, there's uh, there's lots of uh, fun people uh, coming on. Some we've advertised. Uh, some we we haven't yet. But friends of the the podcast and uh, people from uh, from yep. further afield as well. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a battle. <laughs> yeah, those like twelve hours was hard going the first time we did it. 
And like we got to midnight, and I think we got cocky because we had you and Gareth on at the end of that one as well. And like oh, yeah. kind of like I think it gave me and Martin like a like a second bit of wind. It was like, oh, you know what? We probably could have carried on, couldn't we? And now it's like, oh no, what have we turned ourselves into? But well, have that to look forward to, mate. You have you in the last hour. We've got Will on at some point. He can probably talk for about three hours. You know, we're gonna have a you know a, a bit of a, a, a we'll have a, a transfer window show in there somewhere. You know, great people like the likes of uh, Way join joining us. There's gonna be uh, enough to to drag us through, but. I don't know, we might need to uh, you know, fit in a couple of naps, I think, at uh, a point to it in that thing. It'll be, it'll be fucking fantastic. It'll be anarchic radio, like, kind of towards the end. I'm expecting this to go full-on batshit. The worst um, was last time, by the way, folks, when we had the uh, the lovely, uh, is it Gl- Glipbiter, um, you know, electronic yeah. uh, music producer, and me and, Mar- me and Martin were over chatting to her, like... It had been 11 hours, JP, and I was very tired and I didn't really have any electronic music questions uh, up my sleeve, so I tried to sneak off for a break. And I said, JP, just texting me abuse, going, you're asleep, Benno, you're asleep. Wake up, Benno, come on, there's only an hour to go. <laughs> Benno's not said anything for like 20 minutes. And I was like, fuck off, will you? Like, <laughs> I'm trying to pick, pick and sl- so choose a break fun. here. No, no one notices. So much fun. Like, I'm relying on you now to take us home. You're in that spot this next one, so you know, be ready. I'll be it, mate. I'll be a fucking state. I've just woken up having like just got back from fucking Turkey, so I'll be all over the shop. I fully expect that morning, but um, as Don says, get Will talking about the cricket. There you go, (laughs) and you can have uh, a good old old kick then at, at that point. Yeah, Nate Milton, he's he. He'd definitely help with the energy, but they have brilliant guests on there as well. So, yeah, really some, look forward, forward like I say, to that. Some are announced, some aren't, so we'll, uh, we'll give the game away. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, lots going. And like we say, we'll give uh, give Martin a proper uh, send-off from podcasting as he uh, moves into uh, podcast and retirement, which is like wrestling retirement. We're not going to let it really happen. But allegedly, no. he's uh, retiring in July. And there'll be, you know, I talk about BWP and Dad. There will be, like, uh, you know, and this is Martin will say this. this it was my request, so, you know, I do the ladies <laughs> off the protest too much. I have got, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I have a glutton for punishment. I've been pushing for us to do a couple of specials towards the end of the year. You know, we'll do, like, a, a roundup at the uh, the end of the year, big fat quiz of the year, mm. things like that. You know, we won't, uh, we won't let it yeah. fully die. Brit Rest podcast and we'll never die, mate. There was a, a catchy title in that, uh, that's somewhere, but yeah, plenty to uh, plenty to do over the uh, the next month uh, on that side. But obviously, yeah, on uh, on grapple as well. JP, mm. we'll have uh, we'll have plenty going on. We've got our uh, TNA month one um, podcast uh, coming up. Me, you, and Matty are going to be recording that one tomorrow. Just put the final mm-hmm. touches on uh, a couple of uh, other ideas as well. We've obviously got a uh, Simon's King of the Mountain choice, which we'll be looking at the uh, the Heart Foundation in uh, in 1997, um, specifically feuding with uh, with Steve Austin and some of those uh, those classic roars from then. We're going to be a uh, dragon. Grapple Gareth back. We were th- planning on doing a uh, Hangman Page kind of, uh, you know, not not a not a I don't know an assassination um, of his uh, of his title mm-hmm. reign as a uh, as Chris Lane put on it. What did he say? The, the assassination of Hangman Page by the uh, the coward Benson. <laughs> <Michigan's>, um, <laughs> that wasn't gonna fully going to be the idea, but you know we were going to look at his uh, his title run. But it's kind of like balloon now. We were just talking with uh, with Gareth mm-hmm. in our uh, our private chat. Where I mean, I think it's going to turn into a more of a you know as it kind of fits the time frame anyway. A bit of a six month year and half year in review for AEW. We'll be talking the uh, the January. 
February to uh, to June period. Um, I'm talking, like I say, Hangman's title reign, but uh, stuff going wrong. It may be more of like a, a bird's eye view look at the uh, at the company, you know, the uh, the ratings, which might be something we're talking yeah. about today. The storylines, the roster, the signees, all the different things that have uh, happened in the last six months. Because I do think we get a you get a little bit lost, don't we, in the uh, you know the minutiae of the. Uh, the week to week and, and all that it's always nice to kind of take a step back and uh take stock of uh, of where we are i think that could be a, a fun thing to do i think it really will be and i think given the kind of chat we had last week um with wh and when in the kind of level of depth we were going into i think it's something that needs to be done because like there's a lot that's happened if we're going to go back to kind of like turn of the year um in this first half of the year it's it's pretty mental shit as we'll you know, no doubt be touching upon some of said mental shit uh, in a little bit. But yeah, looking forward to uh, doing that, um, obviously, and, and the other shows that you mentioned. But wanted to give a shout out as well, if you haven't. Uh, we did Observe This as well, which is um, Observe This Brother, to give its official title, that, that we've stopped using ourselves. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was uh, phenomenal. All about the kind of like birth of uh, of TNA and uh, Steve uh, Steve Austin walking out in Saipan and Roy Keane leaving WWE. Um, <laughs> that might be good as well. I was going to shout out to that because I, I, they're, the, they're so much fun. <laughs> no, I enjoyed that one. So, yeah, that's uh, available on the, uh, the feed right now. But, yeah, we'll uh, be getting into uh, a lot of uh, other shows as well. And, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Observe this. It's probably just the name of it now, isn't it? We're, we're into renaming right now. If anyone's got another, uh, got an idea, I think calling our live tier Brit Res is dead. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're moving on from BW. We could uh, rename that. Anyone's got any good, good ideas? Let us know. Answers on the uh, the back of a postcard. We're uh, we're always open to them. We're always open to it uh, to new show ideas as well. Like say so we got a oh yeah. So yeah, Simon who signed up uh, King of the Mountain with uh, with his idea for the Half Foundation one. Carl's going on the chat about something to do with Tokyo Josie Pro deep dive. We've got to fit in. I don't remember committing to that. Uh, apparently that's I think. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember place. committing yeah. to that. We'll see. We'll see. But, you know, we're open-minded, JP. We're open to uh, to suggest. We are indeed. As you said, we will, uh, we've got plenty to uh, to talk about today uh, as far as uh, wrestling you goes. You missed the uh, the daily updates uh, over on Grapple. I'm sure it'll be uh, resuming now that you're in, uh, in, in uh, full mm-hmm. strength. I did my best to fill in and, uh, and do a JP impression yesterday. Went over time Sterling by four job. different minutes. Four minutes, mate. So, you know, I didn't, uh, didn't do that well. I can't, uh, can't get quite down like you, mate. I kind of like, uh, I don't know, I think people are, I, I try too hard to, to shoehorn my opinions in and stuff. I think people might be interested. And in I've got, I've got the charm of JP to pull off a, a seven minute daily update. <laughs> it's it, it, like, I, I don't know if it is any trick, but the trick is almost to sound as absolutely dismissive of everything as, as, as you humanly can be. So try and almost be as, as miserable as you can be. I thought you did a fantastic, like better certainly as a news update than me simply taking the piss out of like <laughs> silly names um you know but yeah uh i'll be d- yeah, doing one of those and my god there's some new there's been some new stories around well on that note yeah there's uh, plenty of news that i mentioned on the uh, on the update yesterday that i wanted mm. to uh, to get your thoughts on oh sorry before we get to that yeah we're getting some suggestions in the chat here replace brit rez's deb with the tbl packet experience uh, that could uh... Could that be the name? Um, maybe. Yeah. Oh, better ones. Vince's Horny Fund was another one people mentioned there. Um, 
<laughs> don't know when that. Don't Jerry McDevitt on me, all right. I think that's just WWE in general, isn't it? Um, which is a nice yeah. tie-in to our uh, lead story <laughs> hey. to get into the, uh, the news. Obviously, yeah, we've got plenty of news to, uh, to catch up on as well as uh, reviews of uh, Dynamite, Slammiversary, Triple Mania. I've even seen some uh, GCW as well. But yeah, before we get into that on the uh, the G1 blocks and some other uh, AEW stuff as we head towards uh, Forbidden Door, I think the, uh, the lead has got to be. Uh, still, the uh, the Vince McMahon stuff. Obviously, me and you uh, covered it in uh, mm. in some detail as the uh, as the news broke on Wednesday and Thursday, and our on our weekend show, um, which kind of became the uh, the the unofficial breaking news audio show uh, as we went through the uh, minutiae of uh, what the fuck was happening um, with the uh, the Wall Street Journal breaking the uh, the Vince McMahon news that I'm sure everybody listening to this has heard uh, a million times over the uh, the details of. But yeah, since that since we recorded that, mate, you thought it couldn't uh, get more insane. Vince McMahon turned up on on SmackDown and Raw. <laughs> made the mistake, JP on my birthday weekend of staying up for uh, for Smackdown to see what he was going to say and he literally just repeated the other uh, then now forever uh, WWE intro and got off and then on Raw, uh, on Raw it was kind of the same thing except he added like a little weird skip thing that he did off the uh, <laughs> off the ring steps don't know what the fuck was there what was going on there but yeah you know it's just... like Christopher Walken in Weapon of Choice <laughs> my fat boy Slim oh it's been a, it's been a wild weekend for you know so, so... You know, for uh, for for old, you know, uh, kind of left behind, you know, crusty old men appearing on uh, on TV on Friday night. But love, enough about Dave Meltzer on uh, on CNN. Hey. Um, Vincent, I love that <laughs> Uncle Dave on CNN was a was a highlight as this uh, as this news story broke. The uh, the floating head, the floating head of Uncle Dave being uh, chopped down to <laughs> to like I would say at most a twenty five second soundbite off of what I bet yeah. Was a three-hour recording session where they probably talked <laughs> all about roller derby and you know Bruno Sammartino and or UFC by rates and whatever. Ray else. Stevens. <laughs> Ray Stevens without Alvarez there to cut him off or to bang his head against the table. If you've listened to any observing uh, radio, <laughs> I wonder. Uh, I wonder how that went. But that's how big the news story's been, JP. You know, it's been picked up. Mm. You know, see CNN running with a uh, with Dave Meltzer. It's still still hitting. You know, news today is uh, different. Uh, been like lawsuit action threatened on behalf of uh, of shareholders there's been like i say news stories on the bbc and news stories on pretty much every mainstream outlet whether it will mm-hmm. sustain i don't know but you know in the in the midst of that in the midst of uh, you know stephanie mcmahon taking over from vince in a in a top role we've had the uh, the breaking news uh, today of apparently uh john malonitis is on guard and leave which begs the question if he's on guard and leave why is vince not and he's been replaced mm-hmm. in uh yeah it, <laughs> dealing with uh with with uh with the talent is going to be bruce pritchard uh which doesn't seem like the uh the ideal role, Bruce Pritchard, talent relations. I'm pretty sure I've heard podcasts where he's ripped into the very idea of uh, working in uh, in talent relations in the past. Not to mention mm-hmm. his uh, his ongoing beef that he's uh, that he's had over years with uh, with Stephanie McMahon, who who allegedly is now in charge, but she's putting Bruce Pritchard in you know important jobs. I mean that. That stinks to me. I don't think she's really in charge. I think Vince is still pulling the strings here. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, what have you made of the uh, the additional uh, notes you have uh, over the weekend? As uh, as things have uh, have started to sink in, mate, it isn't getting uh, it isn't getting any less crazy. And it's just yeah, it's very typical no. Vince McMahon. The whole thing. Yeah, it is. It's and and what his policy is by appearing on Raw and SmackDown. The first thing I thought is okay. His and you could see it by the tone of the CNN piece. And uh, there's a you know. 
Brandon Thurston spoke about this, about actually the, the only way that this works. He wrote about it um, on his WrestleNomics page, about the only way it works if the mainstream media te- keep this serious, um, keep serious and actually keep up on this. And I think when you get to the shareholder aspects and the possible lawsuits because of, you know, how how their money is in essence been or how company money has been used for you know for Vince McMahon if that's the case I mean obviously he maintains that it's his own personal money that's been used that feels like it's as big a threat to him going as the steroid trial like that's the that's the kind of like closest for this his policy is to ride it out which is kind of what he did with the steroid trial Mm. him appearing on tv it was treated as a joke and it felt as a result of it oh yeah it is a like the is the news going to keep up with this because what you also have to think is the other stuff that's being covered by the news particularly in the states um you're talking you're up against the sort of january 6th hearings you've got ukraine you've got gas prices inflation you've got midterm elections there's other kind of like big news that's in there and other kind of like bigger celebrity news i mean so it's something that feels like i'm not convinced it's going to keep up the momentum him appearing there to cheers is just a way of trying to kind of it just controls how he's being presented as his beloved figure and he comes out and he does things to get an easy pop because he's vince mcmahon appearing on tv something that didn't doesn't happen very often but i think we're going to see it quite a bit now Mm. just in order for him to go out there it's propaganda like and you can just completely see through it and you go he didn't really say anything it's like well he never was was he i mean i only heard i didn't see the the raw one but on smackdown there was like a smattering of booze but like overwhelmingly cheered it was Um, weird i wasn't sure if very very odd i heard wade calorie was there live kind of so he didn't hear any booze and to be honest that tracked mm. with what it felt like to me they were maybe piped in like somebody didn't get the memo that this was supposed to be like a Trump rally yeah. and they were, they were like piping in booze for heel Mr. McMahon because remember JP just like Hulk Hogan's cock uh, Hulk Hogan's cock and uh, Terry Belay are uh, two different uh, Hulk Hogan's oh, yeah. cock and Terry Belay's cock are uh, two very different things and uh, Vince McMahon and Mr. McMahon the character are also two very different things um, apparently according to the, uh, the Hulk Hogan trial uh, no they're not um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that I think that's what they were going for. But that, yeah, I I thought I hear booze, but I wonder mm. whether it was my mind playing tricks or whether it really was that was to do with the uh, the vacuum cleaner machine. It what it ends up doing, I think, is that kind of, and I think this is kind of what he's going for is it puts wrestling, it makes wrestling look dumb, doesn't it? Like it, it, it's you know the kind of thing he's been accused of in other kind of areas. You know, there would have been the kind of you'd expect the kind of really big oversight and and the kind of reactions. Instead, it's just like I'm going to get cheered by this audience who have, you know, programmed to to react. And it's it kind of makes wrestling look embarrassing. And then as a result, it feels like something that's less worthy of oversight. Now, again, it's it's what the machinations happen around. It's it's like the analogy is the Al Capone one which uh, listen to Will Cooling go into detail on this, on um, Great like, uh, Deep Dive. On, yeah, oh, it's fantastic. Brilliant audio. Um, and mentioned with Al Capone being done for tax tax evasion rather than the whole other myriad of bad things. If you're thinking of this as, as like, could it get rid of Vince McMahon? It could do. They're the people who've, who kind of would be 
best suited. But you mentioned there, Johnny Ace is set up to be the full guy. The fact he's still head of creative, it just means, well, they're just going to take away the CEO title. That'll be it. But he'll still be in charge, de facto, like kind of running the direction of the product, which, you know, effectively runs the company. And it's in its own way. From a financial perspective, it'll it'll do fine. We'll still think about all of the kind of regular palace intrigue. It's just that I'm so he's gotten away with so much. Like I'm kind of I used to always think, let's say Donald Trump, for the amount of things that he did, never get ended up getting caught or sent to prison. When that's clearly what should have been should have happened to him for for so many things. I have the same cynicism with Vince. And it's only if years and and like haven't mentioned about like because obviously they say it's a consensual relationship between him and um the the person he was he was say having the affair having a relationship with um it it's it it got into sort of things around the various NDAs that have been signed and as we spoke about on the kind of weekend show that's the Pandora's box. Yeah, if more comes like, out. If, if, like, if, if, if it, more comes out. I think out. that's what it's going to take, because right now, if yeah. this was any other company, if this was real life, and it's Knox, it's fucking wrestling, um, you know, if it was a mm-hmm. it was a legitimate company, like Vince McMahon, he'd be walking by now. He'd be gone. You yeah. know, there'd be enough pressure. It is going to take more. It's going to take more. Uh, the more cases come into light, it's going to take, like, say, the Palace Intrigue side of things. I know we, as we talked on the weekend show, I know we're not the only ones to say it, but it does all fucking feel like one big episode of uh, of Succession. I know people are probably sick of uh, hearing that at this point, but it is so fucking, you know, similar. You know, that Stephanie and Triple H definitely feel like, uh, Stephanie definitely feels like Shiv. There's um, <laughs> definitely uh, elements. Of, yep. uh, of Tom in, uh, in Triple H, you know, but I mean, it feels like at this point, and I know that we joked about that possibly being the case that they're trying to trying to oust Vince. I mean, it feels like right now Stephanie's just a, a puppet who's uh, who's there to uh, to do Vince's bidding. You know, I don't think uh, a, a really in charge of WWE Stephanie McMahon hires Bruce Pritchard for mm-hmm. that position, uh, for example. I don't think there's a uh, there's no. real real uh, real legs in that. Maybe there's something to the you know. I, I know we all like a good conspiracy about you know Nick Khan trying to take people on from the inside you know he knocked off stephanie knocked off shane knocked off triple h maybe it's backfired a little bit with uh with stephanie now but you know it's not like he was named um uh, interim ceo is it and you know I, maybe maybe my dream will come true that nick khan and, uh, and dwayne johnson uh come in with a load of their xfl money and uh and try and uh buy the company like maybe that's the way this goes maybe there's not enough pressure to you know really oust fins but maybe it accelerates the idea of somebody else buying out wwe um i can picture the i can literally picture the opening to raw with the rock coming out and saying he's bought wwe for the people like if i could if i could go to paddy power and put a bet on dwayne johnson in some form owning WWE or being the face mm-hmm. of like some fucking dodgy Middle Eastern money consortium that's uh, that's got him there at the centre of it. You know, it's Terramana or whatever it's called, Tequila presents WWE Extreme Rules. I could I could I could, I could picture that already in my brain, you know, something like that happening. I think that's that's the more likely scenario. I, I don't think Vince is is gonna go based on this unless something there's a real smoking gun in one of the uh, the previous stories that yeah. forces you know a, a, a more change. I think what's most likely gonna happen is we continue on with the status quo, but maybe to avoid more embarrassment, you know, 
they sell sooner rather than later. I mean, that's reflected in the stock prices, isn't it? The stock prices is going up because uh, those fuckers smell the uh, the possibility of a of a sale. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I, that's kind of how I see it going. And they'll look at the guaranteed income it will get from the TV at the next TV rights deal. You know, it'll be it'll be that those types of, of things and, and how they view it. Yeah, I'm, there was a point I thought, okay, it depends on the kind of momentum it gets. And, and like I say, even though it's got that kind of widespread play, it isn't something that's like it hasn't become like a kind of large scale topic of conversation, has it? It's a news. It, a lot of the times it is. It's it's a news story and it's ongoing. But it doesn't like you. I'm so cynical about this because it's his mo. He's always kind of gotten gotten around on on here. I mean, it, it it does make you think if the Sasha Banks story is true, like the idea of of her being released, as we spoke about on the weekend show, it felt like kind of related to this. But again, it doesn't Probably feel is. like they don't. They're, they're gonna anyone mm. like that who, who wants to leave. Or who has any kind of like, and I'm, mm. you know, I'm talking to you, Mustafa Ali. Anyone who's got any ammo on now's your time to act. I've got to like you look at that, you know, the, the you know the lawsuit, the, uh, the with all of the uh, the XFL stuff with uh, with Vince, you know, like with uh, with Oliver Luck. Like the, the there's no way Vince settles. Mm. Vince goes to court on that, and two two weeks, these are two weeks out on trial before the trial, they settle. Because they don't need that bad publicity right now, and Vince doesn't need a you know a second head. Oh, they, they would have lost as well. Mm. Looking into that case, they would have lost. Oh, fucking hundred percent! Yeah, they had nothing. What did they do? They sacked. No. They sacked the book the tape before he folded the leaf. Was like ah, he was looking at um, you know non-work websites on his. Phone, He's using his so. phone, <laughs> and then he got thrown out of court. It was all based around some some wide receiver. Yeah, who they signed. They said they needed to get like a good wide receiver, and I don't think Vince wanted him there. So he fired him mm. from his like $24 million job, like and the rest of it. Yeah, but that's settling, that said a lot. Like, if Vince is like, you know, a few weeks before Vince isn't settling that at all, he's going to go all the way out of sheer bloody minded spite. Mm. Yeah, speaking of spite, Sam says, yeah, when we're going to get a heel journalist on TV, you know, that's coming. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or Vince says, Mikey says, we'll go to the DB warehouse and, uh, and find the uh, find the neck brace. <laughs> Mikey says, yeah, I like this comment. It's reminiscent of the episode of Only Fools where Rodney takes over. Trotter's independent traders, but Del still calls the shots. <laughs> Steph is Rodder's. <laughs> I never pictured Steffi McMahon as, uh, as Rodder's, but the, you know, the, uh, the piece is fit. Um, I don't know. I My my own conspiracy thing, you know, like I, I've mentioned there, that I think, uh, I, I don't know why I've just got this feeling that, you know, Dwayne Johnson ends up uh, at the top of the Game of Thrones at the end of this. What I shouldn't rule out is the possibility that this is all a big ruse and Jack Jarrett ends up standing on top or or more to the point, you know, wrestling does only have uh, does have more than one royal family, JP. Could, uh, <laughs> could you know, the look of somebody with a, with a bit of experience of being, you know, a high-ranking official in a, in a wrestling company, you know, who, who knows uh, who knows what he's doing? Could Cody, Cody and Brandy, could they step up? Could they get to live their, uh, their best Triple H and, uh, and Stephanie lives? Is <laughs> <laughs> I'd love if this all ends with Jeff and Cody on top or some kind of combination. I think we've all won, mate. I think that's the uh, the best possible scenario, is it not? Oh, it'd be the wildest scenario with Jeffrey Jarrett, head of WWE live events. <laughs> He's um, already there, yeah. You could uh, climb further. But Jeffrey Jarrett, I thought that was interesting. Mm. There for that, like setting him up for his up, own man. kind of. Heel owner gimmick, very much there, isn't it? <laughs> Jeffrey Jarrett. But yeah, I mean, 
they've got all of those people in place. They've had them, you know, and and the the Cody one is is hilarious for it for the time being. But he he ain't giving up that creative. The oh, that's the wild the thing. Guys. How is he still? That doing is the that maddest job? thing. Is, is is how is he allowed to do it? It's the thing he's worst like, at as well. Like, if yeah. you, again, if Stephanie was really the in charge, one saving grace, nah, fuck off. <laughs> you would have thought is like, oh, they move him out of that, like mm. they were going to push into the background, but no. And it means he's going to do stuff like this, like appear on on TV, and you know why he's got away with a lot of shit. Where's USA Network? Like, why is no one going? You know what, mate? Just- going through like a very public kind of dirty laundry situation right now. Get the fuck off the telly. <laughs> you don't need to go out there and announce that John Cena's coming back and do your weird strut down the stairs, you know? Like, it's unnecessary. You're going to get us all in trouble. Fuck off. I reckon he... Bet you, I bet you... You know, I, when I watched SmackDown and he came out and he did, he was on telly for like 30 seconds, I bet you maybe somebody did step in. And that's the best That's the best they could do. They talked them down to one very, very mm. scripted line. You know, don't go out there with a live mic, Vince, but... Yeah, that's what I reckon. He'll say something eventually if he carries on doing it. And I expect him to do it because he'll look at it. The, do you know the horrible cynical thing about you mentioned about Fox and about USA? They'll look to see if it pops a rating. You know what? And That'll be like first and foremost, that's how they'll end up viewing it. And I think SmackDown did a slightly better number than did. than it had no, normally done. A so very good number. It's like based on recent weeks, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. And it's so as bleak as that is, they'll continue to do that on there. What's interesting is on Raw, he mentioned Cena. And it's whether or not him appearing by himself at the start of a show doing this in a kind of Pravda-style moment of the, the glorious the dear leader. Do you want to be associated with that? Do you want to be in the same ring at the same time? And things like that. Because then if you're Cena it starts to become a case of he's got a whole other world and everything else. And he's mentioning Cena by name and the rest of it. And I think that's, that's the kind of stuff that I know, like, for example, that he, that Cena would have to think about actually, how am I going to be, if he appears at the start of it, then, then so be it. But yeah, I, I, I think he's going to carry on doing it, but as we know with him, he's, he will end up being his worst enemy. He'll end up making reference to it or something else. Uh, a, a, like along those lines, and Christ knows he's he's fucking mental. Trump, as we've said many many times, it's a Trump rallying. Giving like he's a, his best mate. Yeah, but uh, John mentions that like two million viewership for the uh, oh. for the Raw. Raw doesn't get up to two million these days. Point that very rarely happens. Yep. So this is how they're going to view it. They're going to do their utmost, and then the whole idea is make people think it's an angle. Make people think it's an angle and then this goes away. And the papers don't want to cover it because it's wrestling. That wrestling shit, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 had way more coverage than I thought it would. Like I say, the, the news today of, you know, the different um, legal firms taken on behalf of yeah. the, uh, the stockholders is helping. I know that's going to, you know, whatever the outcome, that's going to happen, isn't it? There's going to be, you know, sharks who, who smell blood. You know, it's a, ju- it's a juicy news story for, like, for one cycle. The fact that it, you know, I joked about it, Dave Meltzer's on CNN. You know, it's just, like, bizarre, but, like, you know, shows that, you know, when was the... 
the last time, you know, that felt like watching, like, uh, that felt like staying up in 2007 after, like, the Benoit stuff, where it'd be like, oh, fuck, there's DDP on CNN, or there's, you know, Ken Kennedy making a fool of himself over there. There's Brian Alvarez on, like, on Fox or whatever, you know, that was, you know, as, as fucking horrible as a time it was, that was. That was a bizarre time as well for seeing, you know, wrestling in the uh, in the mainstream press and various characters within it making fucking fools of themselves. Do you like the news adverts, mate? Please consult your doctor if you suffer from these <laughs> 75 million side effects. I'm being read at you at 300 miles an hour. <laughs> I appreciate that, uh, you know, they, they're selling you drugs legally, but, you know, they want to uh, they want to cover their arse. Yeah, those American adverts are fucking wild, aren't they? Um, but, you know, we all hey, we all, we all tuned in with our, our dodgy uh, live stream on uh, with CNN on, uh, on Friday night to, uh, to see it happen. Um, but, yeah, it's a fucking... It's bizarre right now, but promising that real real news outlets are covering it you know mm-hmm. to be fair some of them are doing better jobs than some of the fucking you know the, the journalists in wrestling you know pointing the finger directly at people like ryan satin who's trying to bury his head in the sand this this is even happening you know louis dango yeah. deleting his tweets you know you have a look at givemesport.com and see if you can find anything about this vince mcmahon story you fucking can't um <laughs> ryan satin like burying his apparently he's not a journalist anymore um, you know, even though he's literal, he's literal jobs WWE analyst. Like this is the, yeah. this is the biggest story. This isn't the biggest WWE story in our lifetimes, but it could be if if it escalates any further. Yeah. But imagine avoiding this. Imagine trying to not cover this. Imagine trying to like pretend you're a, a real person in this space and and also you know try and play both sides on it and just you know quietly pretend it doesn't exist so that you can uh curry favor and get yourself a seat on the uh on the next fox news or or, or bt sport bus it's uh it's pretty gross to see it is and it destroys any credibility that a lot of these kind of like these figures like that that they had no interest in actual journalism it's it's client journalism we re- they report what they are effectively told to report and any real news be damned um and that's how it feels it feels really um like it's, i mean I, but i don't expect them i, I don't think of them of, of having kind of any real standards and i think as well when you go for the mainstream press it's about how many of them are focused enough to see that this is actually a story that's worth keeping with <coughs> and the direction because like you say like it's it's the thing that if you've got proper investigative journalists looking into the business practices and culture of wwe then what the hell are you going to turn up in that in that time is you you know you're gonna there's a there's a lot of stuff there to get into Definitely, yeah, and I, like I say, I don't, th- I don't think it's over by, uh, by any stretch, um, you know. But like, yeah, there are going to be. That is kind of the, the the lay of the land right now, and yeah, we'll we'll just see, you know. Is I think I don't know. I think Vince McMahon's going to cause himself more trouble by continuing on this. This, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna mm-hmm. put push my chest out, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna fight it. I'm gonna rally the base, and I'm gonna get everyone uh, on my side. I think if anything, he's got he's in danger of uh, keeping it in the news. But yeah, you just gotta hope that the real the real press um, keeps keeps uh, keeps pushing on this. And you know, aside from the uh, some of the names you mentioned there, the uh, the wrestling uh, press keep pushing on it because, like I say, this is. It's probably only we're only scratching the surface right now. We're only looking at you know there are there yeah. definitely there are people who know where where bodies are buried. There is a long history of allegations like this. You know you go back to uh, the the Rita Chatterton stuff. You go back to the Tan and Salon story. You know we all know about uh, Vince from the uh, the mid two thousands, and you go to 
those other stories that you know you've heard uh, bits and pieces of, and the you know the uh, the possibility of there being other NDA, NDAs in there with you know other you know people who've either worked in the office yeah. or uh, or female you know talent on screen. You just know there's more to it. There's definitely more to it. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it just depends if there's the will to look into this. And the desire to. I also think it's interesting as well. We were expecting a whole load of like Vince-based stuff coming out on like Netflix. Like I'm assuming it halts. Like if you're those producers, you don't really want to be the person who's well, made they, the thing. If like were they making this thing and not tell out. it? Like did they leave out the the Richard and stuff? Did they leave out the Tannislaw stuff? Did they leave out? All I the, assume so. Yeah. They just yeah. this blind side of them that the Vince McMahon has some problem problematic. You know, this rich billionaire bloke has some you know problematic allegations with women. Were we just going to brush that under the carpet? Was it going to be a happy-go-lucky yeah. you know boy who made a good kind of story? Is that what we were going yeah. for until this happened? Oh, exactly. Yeah, framing it as well. I mean, you'd get him in the trailer park. Mm. I mean, who would have guessed it? The son of a wrestling promoter ends up getting the wrestling promotion off him. What a real rags to riches tale. Like, uh, which is something I've never bought. Like, you know, you get the trailer park bullshit. It'll be a completely controlled narrative. Or if it is brought up, it's brought up in a way to say, this is what people have accused of me and tried to take me down doing, and this is how I fought them off. Like, that's that's effectively how he would frame it. It's like 9-11, um, isn't it, mate? You know, it's like, well, like Stephanie mm. said, you know, 9-11's like when the, gov- when the government came for my dad over those drugs. Oh, you know, yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all the same, you know? Yeah, pu- push comes to shove. Like, that's... That's the way that they would frame that. But I can't, you know, if you're the filmmakers yourself, you don't want to be responsible if there is some sort of, like, investigation into it. And we're mentioning, you know, when we're kind of not going into a lot of these stories. They're not that difficult to find, and it's us. And whether or not they're worth investigating. I don't know, Jimmy Snooker, Ashley Massara. I mean, like, what bloody happened on the on the platform, on the um, on the runway at... Um, in Jeddah, was it Riyadh? I forget. One of the Saudi shows. What happened on like, the boat? That, uh, uh, oh, sorry, that was Succession. Carry on. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Easy mistake to make for it, but um, but yeah, it will it, it it will continue. I mean, it's like I say. I think it's not as it's probably not the less sensational aspect of it, but it's really what happens with the the shareholder investigations. That, for me, is the thing that I think ultimately decides kind of Vince's fate. Definitely. And like I say, pressure from the shareholders and stuff, as we talked about on the weekend show, you know, and as, again, if you haven't heard it, Will's um, updated it on the uh, on the torch. Fantastic. Puts into words, be- you know, better than I've, uh, I've seen anybody do, really, you know, talk about the fact that, you know, Vincent Mann does have, you know, um, does have, you know, the the majority of the uh, the voting shares um, on that on that board, um, which will make it difficult to uh, to oust them based on something like this, but not impossible. You know, there are uh, clauses and there are, you know, things that you can that you can be pulled up on for uh, for, for doing wrong and not following company policy. Uh, there are uh, there are back doors uh, and ways, but it, there's got to be a will there to be rid of them. And I think at the end of the day, if these if if the rest of the board is supposed to be acting on behalf of the shareholders, now, well, then, well, what are shareholders scared of? What are people buying stock scared of? It's a WWE without Vince McMahon. You know, they still see yeah. him as this messiah who can do no wrong. You know, we know better. Yeah. We know WWE under Vince McMahon is, you know, been garbage for the better part of 20 years. Hi, Matty. Um, but, you know, they don't know that. And, you know, the the general, you know, stock buying public or kind of see it as well. You know, without Vince McMahon, they're going to go, to, you know, 
they're going to go to shit. And, you know, you, you will see that stock price tumble if any real legitimate action is taken against them. So, you know, there's that side of it too. Uh, we all know that, you know, you probably you put Stephanie in charge and put put Triple H in charge of creative. It'd be fucking boring, like USA Network uh, NXT was. <laughs> But it'd be better, mm-hmm. you know. I'll take it. You know, big corporation takes over. Just give you know someone like that the book. You'd immediately see the uh, the show be better. But you know, they don't look at it in those terms. They see wrestling and they think Vince McMahon, and they think there's only one man who can steer this ship and who can uh, you know keep making these uh, these record profits. So yeah, I think that's gonna gonna uh, be a massive factor too. Yeah, yeah, and it always has been, isn't it? Well, yeah, we'll see. As Sean said in the chat, there, you know, someone's leaking this stuff. I wonder, uh, you know, say that's been a yeah. lot of talk, you know, again on the uh, on the succession angle, exactly uh, what side uh, that's coming for, coming from. But yeah, if we know it, and you know, Vincent Man, um, he's probably gonna be the uh, the last man standing. So probably expect to be uh, to be disappointed um, with this stuff. Is probably uh, where I land on it. But I suppose uh, moving on uh, from there into uh, I was gonna say how- before you do that. <laughs> oh God, just gonna say side. Mentions there that Vince following the Boris Johnson playbook very much. Admit to nothing. I mean, that's the Trump playbook. Operation Big Dog. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's where it? he's getting that from. It's uh, Save Big it's Dog. It's his other mate. Oh, fucking honest to God. Uh, <laughs> comments here from Chris. They're being cerebral and leaking it out. I don't know what you're, uh, what you're uh, accusing anybody Never of. Never got that. <laughs> I'm a genius. What are you going to do? I'm going to use a sledgehammer. All right. How much would you love it to be true, though, that it's that it's Triple H getting revenge here for be it for uh, NXT oh. Black and Gold being killed, getting revenge for uh, you know the undisputed uh, era and uh, and all those and Johnny Gargano and all those uh, all those favorite lads being bin bagged. I mean, if he's pulling like you know what you'd expect Tom to be doing in succession and basically holding on to a couple of like kind of key cards and stuff <laughs> like that, but then he'll do what what Tom did. In terms of uh, in terms of Logan, I don't want to go into spoilers. For the, <laughs> the season three of Succession, but we don't hey, we don't believe it though. You know Triple H. You know you go mm. back to like the people forget. You know he baby faced himself with uh, with Black and Gold NXT, but in the early two thousands, like a Power Slam magazine, the Observer, the Torch, he was painted as this fucking political genius who was you know pulling the wool over everybody's eyes and you know cozy enough to Vincent Man and working his he way married into the power. boss's daughter, mate. To the point which we, we we don't even talk about that anymore. It's just normal, isn't it? Yeah. It's just one of the man's. It's not strange that this wrestler yeah. married in, just happened to fall in love. This politically astute wrestler just happened to fall in love with the daughter of the boss and ended up married into the family and ended up with all kinds of power and privilege and responsibility in the company. Just a you know, just one of those natural things that happens in life. You know, boy meets girl, take over multi million dollar corporation. You know, it's normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, if he was the mastermind behind us, I say uh, I would not be shocked. But I guess we'll see. We'll see who lands at the uh, the top of this Game of Thrones. JP, is it Triple H? Is it Cody Rhodes? Is it Jack Jarrett? Is it Bruce Pritchard? Place your bets now. Nick Khan, mate. <laughs> see the old, old cards. There. Yeah, he's a hell of a. He's a like in this season. He's a like he, he is. He's just a tech bro that's thrown in there <laughs> with like a whole other sense of brutality. Um. But yeah, it, and it's hard not to look beyond him for so much of this. There's no coincidence because ultimately, like, I don't even think he's, he's any interest in, in, like, I agree with Will on this one that I don't think he's really got any interest in WWE. He's looking for a sale. He can make an absolute killing and will walk away out of wrestling like an incredibly wealthy man. 
Yeah, you're there first. Nick Khan winds up on the throne. That's uh, that's JP's back. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a sweet mate. We'll uh, try and make some light out of this dark, depressing, horrific, uh, yeah. horrific story. But moving on from there, I suppose JP uh, mentioned there. You know, mm-hmm. SmackDown has uh, has done uh, particularly well uh, in viewership this week, as did Raw. A couple of shows that didn't they? Dynamite and Rampage. Hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I talked it on the uh, on the news update uh, last night. I mean, by itself, um, I, d- I didn't think this was a, a massive news story. Yeah, I mean, I I thought there was something to it, um, but I didn't mm. really think we'd be you know spending too much time talking about it. But yeah, D- Dynamite had a very 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 disappointing uh, week, mm-hmm. I would say, as far as uh, as far as ratings go. Um, I think they've you know. Dynamite is just, I don't know what's going on at the minute. You know, we're particularly low on it, so I don't want that to kind of colour the discussion here. But, you know, I saw that number come through, viewership number, 761,000 viewers um, for Dynamite on the uh, on the 15th of June at 0.28 um, at 1849, down from a 0.34 the week before and a 0.40 the week before that. <laughs> Um, you know the the show was averaging in the uh, the nine hundred thousand range the the past few weeks. Um, maybe just a touch below that for a couple of those weeks, but at least going back, you know, five six. I mean, the last ten weeks or so, you know, that's kind of the uh, the average you've got there. Now that the pushback on that was well and gone, still number one on cable, still number one on cable, still number one for our time slot. Um, as far as uh, Dynamite went uh, for Wednesday night, you know, there's been a lot of uh, pushback this week about the fact that you know. Cable TV in general, you know, was down. I know Melter put on Twitter today, you know, if you take all of that into account, you know, Dynamite still pretty much roughly finished where it would, you know, in the in the overall rankings for uh, for TV for the week. So maybe we shouldn't all panic. And, you know, I think it's, uh, you've got to be, as Big Dave will always say, you've got to be careful not to uh, overanalyze a, uh, a single week uh, in viewership numbers, although he did spend half an hour overanalyzing that single week in viewership numbers on his <laughs> radio this morning. Um, but I think the thing that gave me concern, I think the thing that's more obviously, you know, a, a trend, you know, Rampage on Friday, averaging 331,000 mm. viewers, down 30% from the previous week, the second lowest audience in the history of the show. And by far the lowest rampage is done in its regular time slot because um, it was on regular time, you know, 10 p.m., 3 a.m. our time, 22nd on cable it was with a, a 0.10 uh, rating, which is the, the lowest rating the show has done in its history at 1849, regardless of time slot, down 40% from the previous week. Again, cable as a whole was down. That seems to be the pattern we're seeing this week. You know, I've got you've definitely got to, to add that caveat. Um, but yeah, do, do you read into that? I think maybe I, I read more into the rampage number than I do the dynamite number. Um, but I don't know. Is there a, is there a narrative to to spin with that dynamite number? Have we got to be careful to uh, you know do too much of a risk here? Because you know, me and you have been quite negative on the uh, the AW product mm. quite recently. We have, and I wonder whether or not it, it's it's very difficult because we've we've done this when they've been big weeks. And it's whether or not it's going to be able to sustain and have that kind of momentum. I think the thing that I would the rampage one is is much for me, it's much less surprising. And I'm not surprised it's going this way. For a long, long time, it has felt like it doesn't need to be must-watch TV. It is something that and it's incredibly formulaic. Like, and you might could argue that about AEW. I'm gonna do the whole same rant that I did last week about AEW, but you know, it it 
I can understand the kind of over analyzing, but it's also pretty difficult not to say, like having when you watch the show, that it's kind of a mess. And why would people stick with it? Like for that kind of, you know, at the minute, it doesn't feel like must-see TV across the board. And, you know, when we get into the Forbidden Door card, you think of like the show it's kind of building up to. It just kind of feels like at the moment, if you're not into this kind of promotional stuff, and I wouldn't be surprised if people aren't, it's just going to be like, you know, Christ above. Um, you might, it, it, it feels like you can skip out and miss on it. And like I've said, since I've got back from holiday, I found it like a, a bit more tricky to go in. Um, to kind of keep up with it and then we did the uh, we did the weekend show you were telling me about like the kind of mess of a lot of the segments like it's not going to main maintain viewers we've got to see how this is over the next few weeks but part of the reason i think where you know somebody might think they listened to this show two months ago and we could be praising dynamite i don't think they have that much room for error they have a lot less room for error than i think at times that that people possibly think they have these things can fall into a pattern where you lose regular viewers and they've really got to be wary about it. They're very much still in building their audience and they've got to look at stuff which isn't working and isn't connecting. Um, and it's also happening when the TV rating, uh, sorry, the TV negotiation talk will come into place. It's what is the relationship they have with, um, well, it's discovery now as their new business daddies, you know, what is the relationship with them? Will's like, convinced how, that, isn't he, yeah. that there's a rift? <laughs> I don't know if I buy that, but like, I, <laughs> and Tony's tanking I Rampage. I don't know if that's true, because the quality of Rampage has been I, better recently. Uh, there's, there's, you know, still be matches, you know, still not matches that are going to draw. That's it. I think the horse is bolted with that. I think we, we all, we've all been trained now at be show. It's what it is. You don't need to watch it. It is. We say it on every podcast. We review it because we're, no. we're a podcast that covers AEW. But, like, given the choice with a skip out on it most weeks, probably, you know? Like, it's not essential TV, is it? It's a fast-moving hour of lots of rots of stuff. But mm-hmm. must-watch canon, not really. No. And, and I think that's what it's suffering from at this point in time. And I don't, I just don't think this is something they can allow to continue for too much longer. Um, because after this, when we get past Forbidden Door, are they just going to jump back in? Well, we're jumping straight into blood and guts and then a whole lo- other load of storylines. Um, and it'd be interesting when we go into the half year and AEW sort of looking at it in depth, actually, what what has gone on over this time? How has, how has the show changed? And, you know, this week, I have to say, it, it felt like a bit of a mess. Well, it felt like a mess, not a bit of a mess. It feels like a mess the card for Forbidden Door and what the hell's going on at it feels like a mess. Because I know you saw a press release where they were saying the Jay White versus to be determined for the IWGP title. And I'm like, right, I thought there was some hangman, Adam Cole thing going on. And I'm utterly confused. And not in any way that I've got like a burning desire to find out what's going to happen next. And I, th- I find that mad. This isn't just like being snarky for the, for the sake of it. If you told us like three years ago, oh yeah, there'll be a joint card in front of a sold out, like kind of United Center in Chicago and it's AEW versus New Japan. We'd have been fucking buzzing. And look at us, like it's happening next weekend and I I could barely give a shit. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to myself as well and say that this is good or a good bill. 
good build. The matches might be good in isolation for it, but this is not the best of what these cards could be providing. And again, as to, to paraphrase last week, they're both responsible for it. But AEW is the senior partner in this, for this being like a US pay-per-view, have to take the lion's share of the blame. There's, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to, to, to kind of unpack there. Um, mm. a, lot to, a lot to kind of cover. I mean, I, I still don't know whether I want to make this direct correlation between, you know, the... The New Japan stuff and the, you know, I think at this point, like I don't know any any media person with 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 a couple of exceptions. There are exceptions, you know, um, out there who are still quite positive on the on the booking of AEW, but like ninety percent of the you know the, the the media personalities I know I listen to and respect your Meltzers, your Kellers, those kinds of people, even you know John and Way, people like that. Everyone's pretty much uniform, universally negative on the product right now, and that makes it easy to be like, you know, I want to, I want to make the the obvious kind of connection of well, well, they did, you know, in the seven hundred thousand range this week, so therefore, um, it's it's you know, the bad booking and my own personal narrative on on how things have you know kind of broken down over the last few months in booking with AEW is responsible mm-hmm. for that. On the flip side, you know, the, although they're low quarters, the Moxley Tanahashi quarter was the highest watched segment on Dynamite. So I don't know whether, you know, if we're going to say it's the bad mm-hmm. looking of Forbidden Door that's kind of leading to these problems, the bad, the bad kind of setup for these matches, the confused setup for these matches, the amount of you know people are coming and going, the debuts and the billion segments on a show and the exposition like we had with uh, with Jericho this week in place of, you know, effective storytelling um, is responsible for it. I just don't know if I want to make that leap yet. I'm fully in agreement that Rampage is, you know, it's not dead, but, you know, it's... I think the damage is done with Rampage. You can't really repair it. We all just know what it is. We know it's an extra hour of bonus AWTV each week that we've got the option to tune into if we want. They might stack it every now and then and make it must-watch to a point. But, you know, it's it's chicken and the egg because at the same time, if you're going to average 331,000 viewers, I would criticise AEW for putting stuff that's too important on that show. You know, they're not a company that likes to do recaps and stuff. They like to, you know, force you to watch the uh, the first run um, era of each uh, individual segment or, or match or whatever. You know, for example, you know, Punk um, getting, you know, walking away and uh you know that whole uh debacle with the uh with the title aired on rampage wasn't repeated on dynamite and you know and we only you know viewed by half of the potential audience because it was on rampage you've got to walk that line you know once the uh once the pennies drop with fans i don't think it's really you know odd exceptions like that you know good business practice to throw um two valuable things on there so it kind of goes both ways but i think that has sunk in now we all know what it is and it's it's not gonna it's not gonna do better but yeah, the the dynamite number. I think it's going to be this this week's number. That's going to be the real telltale sign as to is it yeah. is it the is it the like I say, I would say universally agreed at this point. Confused story storytelling and and messy shows um, that has caused this. Is it you know if if this is a real number this week, you know they're in the seven hundred thousand range. Is it just simply the fact that, you know, it's taken a few weeks, but fans have gotten on to the fact that, well, Punk's not around anymore, Brian's not around anymore, 
MJF's not around anymore. Less to the point, because it's been a while, but Kenny's not around anymore. You know, stars drive eyes to the wrestling TV product. That's kind of the way it's always been. You can put out the, the greatest matches in the world on, um, and the greatest, even if the storylines were better, the greatest storylines in the world on. But at the end of the day, it is still pretty much a star-driven business. And if the stars aren't there, is that the cause, you know, of, uh, of what we saw this yeah. week, I think? We're going to know better, aren't we, when we, you know, we get more of a, a pattern um, next week. But, yeah, you know, it's... it's... It feels very thunder, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. Rampage. Yeah. Mm. It's just become thunder. Mm. Obviously not the bloated version of thunder that it was towards the end, but it's become a place where if it was, if it had that kind of lower, if they set the expectations being lower that it was going to be effectively trying to sort of build up new stars, then at least it would be following it. But like you say, follows onto that sort of hour of TV. I just, I don't, I don't know. Like, like you say, it's this ramp, it's this dynamite number from this week. That's going to decide a hell of a lot mm. about whether or not, is there a pattern? Is there a trend to this? There's various things they're going to be able to use, but it's, I'm kind of for AEW, I'm more interested in what happens post Forbidden Door. After this, do they just sort of move on to regular stories and the build out to all in? Is is that what they're going to end up doing next? I mean, is there any, are they going to be having discussions around this? They may need to look at the the, the formula, the mucky ball formula. Because I'm not sure. I'm, I've I've had reservations about that for a little while now. I think it might be about how they're presenting stories and everything else. And I've got, you know, well, the fact they've just replaced them with belts and tournaments, haven't they? <laughs> In terms of like, uh, why book storylines that kind of really mean anything? And it's, you know. I look forward to hearing Gareth's opinion on this when we go into in depth on this on the uh, on the Patreon as well because I know he's got a few really choice thoughts and I don't just want to steal his opinions for my own. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's hard. You know, there's a couple of comments in the in the chat here. You know, are we spoiled? You know, five years ago we were the kill for a Forbidden Door to even take place for you know a company as strong as AEW has been. You know. At points, you know, in its uh, in its history, you know, the fact that we do have this creative dip, um, you know, is it just that you know we we kind of got used to the fact that it was uh it was stronger at points, and you know it's it's disappointing now. I don't know. Um, I just think things just aren't clicking right now, and I think there's definitely definitely something wrong, and I think it's it's the basic fundamental storytelling that that's wrong. You know, you mentioned the, yeah. the forbidden door cards. You know, that's another thing that's coming up this week. You know, to to the point on that. You know, the point you raised before. You know, we're not none of us are particularly excited about Forbidden Door, and I think the the reason behind that is that you know we're all like Tony Khan wrestling fans. We've all played DWR. We've all sat there and fancy booked. You know, when we were kids, I'm sure we both sat there with a notebook and you know penciled out a WWF versus WCW supercard. You know, and I'm sure we all in our in our own minds have put together our own AEW versus New Japan supercards. I bet you they fucking didn't have Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay on it. I bet you they didn't have you know whatever this convoluted mess of an. Jericho, Minoru Suzuki, six man, whatever the fuck that is, isn't it? I bet it didn't have whatever this drama is, like you say, with Adam Cole and Jay White and Hangman and Okada. Are they going towards a four way? Is Okada even going to be at the pay per view? You know, none of us, you know, I think most of us would have just gone the tact of like, you know, 
you book the best wrestlers against the best wrestlers. I don't know. They've, they've been, it's been a perfect storm of problems. You know, they've, they've been hamstrung by the fact that, you know, there's been a lot of injuries. You know, Punk's out. Brian's a question mark even for, for Dynamite, you know, yeah. this week. There are those issues, I'm sure. I'm worried about that announcement. Yeah. It could, I, I, it could end up being some sort of elaborate swerve. But mm. the concussion story, which I don't think is something that's been really played up mm. as much, because if, if that weighs out, you just think, given the previous record, Jesus Christ. Well, I, I, but that's it. You know, I think that there are those issues, but some of it's, some of it's mm. self-inflicted. You know, why yeah. are why is this now? Why is this less than a month after their last pay-per-view? Why is it so close to Dominion, to Dominion when they couldn't announce things until Dominion was over? Why is Blood and Guts the Wednesday after the pay-per-view? Like, why is that not somewhere else in the calendar? Like, it feels badly planned. It feels badly plotted out. And it just... It feels like a badly, you know, put together card, and it feels like a a really underwhelming card. Like I say, I don't think this is the dream scenario we all had when we put New Japan versus AEW together, you know, together in our own brains. It like, you know, I'm sure, you know, again, the the complications with people not being available, you know, Kenny being out injured right now, depending on whether he turns up. Uh, I know there is some rumor about that. You know, it, it is an issue. You know, th- those types Kota of Bushi. The Kota Ibushi issue, there are those issues as well. But even with the parts they've got, there are better looking cards you can do. There are better things you can do. You know, where's... you know, I'm not a big fan of like Naito. I'm not a big fan, you know, of 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 him. But he's a major New Japan star. Where is he? Yeah. You know, you look at Shingo. You know, he's been the breakout star of New Japan the last couple of years. I mean, surely he's someone you want to put in a dream match with a big AEW guy. You know, like I say, don't want to labour the point too much. But again, you've got fucking Will Ospreay, and you know he's allegedly oh. one of the best wrestlers in the world, and I would uh, agree with that. You know. Who's he going to face? Is he going to face one of your top guys? No, he's going to face Orange Cassidy, which, you know, I'm sure it'll probably turn out okay. But, you know, is anyone particularly, you know, excited for that? I know I'm not. I think even with the pieces we've got, things just aren't right. Um, And yeah, just kind of, I think there's a general malaise in the product right now. And I think a lot of it has been the build to this pay-per-view and the uh, the timing of everything involved. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, to to echo something I said on, on the weekend show, why are we having an invasion? Why are we having like this taking part? It doesn't need to take place. I mean, and that's part of the issue with the build for this is it, it sold out immediately without any matches announced. And I think like a lot of sort of, I'd like to think like a lot of hardcore wrestling fans, the realistic expectation is we would have, you know, sort of three, four killer matches near the top. And there might be some multi-mans underneath, like in that way with, you know, some 50-50 booking, but at least matchups that are kind of, like, interesting. Moxley versus Tanahashi, a match while I, I'd be interested in it, if that was, like, third from the top, I'd be like, yeah. That'd be like, you know, I can completely get why that that match is taking place. You know, there's... It's, like, a lame reason that Orange Cassidy is part of Chaos, therefore he's, you know, he's going to be in a in a match with, with Will Ospreay it's just not the best showcase. And then you wonder what the repeat business will be like. Will people invest in it in this way? Because there'd be a lot of people who bought tickets with that card completely, everyone with the card completely unseen, 
And I've I find it hard to so many people who've said they've bought tickets outright or booked travel, and now they're like, "Fuck, what have I done?" Like, there's a lot of people saying that. I, if I had to spe- spend basically half of my life savings in Vegas, I might have yeah. gone. I'd be fucking devastated right now. I'd be like, "Fuck!" Like, even my lowest expectations of a, because that's the thing. People are like, "Well, what do you yeah. expect?" It's like, "Well, you've booked a dream. This well, literally, this is built for to be a dream match card. That's the only reason it exists. Is it yeah. dream matches? So expect a dream matches. There aren't any. <laughs> like, there's not one. No, there isn't any. And I don't think with uh, you know, and it all entirely hinges on what the Danielson. Announcement is that could be that well, great Danielson Zach. You are right, yeah. That Danielson Zach would be would be that one, and you know I'm just like looking. It's like where, where the fuck is Shingo? You know what I mean, like it, there, there's so many like there's so many people on on this, but it's also shoehorned shoehorned ormed in into sort of weird storylines that have felt very very rushed and completely unnecessary. And so yeah, it, you know. I should point out that you know we we are doing a competition on Grapple <laughs> to order Forbidden Door <laughs> and buy TV. slash support if you want to buy Forbidden Door. <laughs> if you do want to buy it, that's a hell of a sell job we've done. Well, mm-hmm. right, we we told you where we are. It's not going to like. I, I'm not going to convince myself that this is like given the options and given the circumstances. This is the best they can do, and it. it you know, you just sort of assume because there's where is any blame? Who you know who is culpable for it and and the rest of it and and how could it have been better? But it then makes you doubt are you going to have a follow up to this? Because I was always convinced myself that the third night of Wrestle Kingdom would be a return show. Once New Japan got their business out of the way on the fourth and the fifth, they did the same thing they did with Noah. But then I remember that I watched that Noah show and the joint show with Noah, and it was fucking disappointing. So, I saw someone say that. Well, this is better because it's better than the Noah car. I mean, that was fucking terrible. So, yeah, congratulations on winning the race. That one singles, man. The race of the No, bottom. two. Tell a lie. <laughs> two young lions. That might have been better. No, it wouldn't. That's taken the piss. Like, uh, it's better yeah. than that, you know, at least. But it's a low bar to clear, you know. And people people did have expectations. It's, a, you know, these pay-per-views aren't cheap and... You know, it's a, it's supposed to be a special show. It'd be very Tony Khan mm-hmm. if he was waiting for like the third one of these to really pull the trigger. Okay, that's when you're gonna get your uh, your big dream matches. That's yeah. When he needs to shit or get off the pot now. <laughs> yeah, that's he's just when hold, uh, holding on to so much stuff, and it's just like actually, I think you need to you need to have all the, these aspects mingling in Ooh. together to make it interesting. There's some like conversation in the chat right now. John and Mike are going back and forth, and you know whether it's cat, it's you know pandering to to try to explain to casual fans, you know, who these uh, people are. That's if casual fans even you know watch these products or exist at mm. this point. But you know, I don't, I don't think you know to Video the story. Packages, to, mate. Yeah, to the story. To be, I mean, it's it's maybe it's easy for us to say now. I genuinely think you know if they had literally outlined a card three weeks ago and gone. Is the big matches, you know, our big, our big guys mm-hmm. against New Japan's big guys, you know, it's, uh, it's 
it's Okada versus Hangman if that's what you're doing. It's Tanahashi versus Moxley if, you know, that's what we're insisting on doing. And then we work backwards, you know, these are the matches, these are the equivalents. And throw in some fun stuff, you know, Darby versus Hiromu, you know, they're equivalents on either roster. Let's let's do that, you know. Let's put, you know, Shingo versus Pac. Let's do, do some fun stuff like that. You know, let's do Osprey versus Phoenix if that's politically possible. It should fucking be politically possible. I feel like Tony Khan should be able to be the alpha in, the, oh, in that situation again. One of his CMLL in one of his 2022. Own, one of his own contracted guys. You can't get on the show. I mean, I think that's bollocks. But anywho. But you know, but even if it's Andrade versus Osprey, which apparently was, you know, what he wanted, you know, though I think setting the card, because it is, it's a dream match card. You don't need to force in storylines and force in, ooh, look who's invaded this week. Look who the surprise is this week. It's just, it's all very convenient that it's happening in this month in the build to the pay-per-view. You'd be better off just announcing the card and then we'll do the build back. Backwards. We'll build up who these people are, why they're equivalents in each company, why the match is happening later. I think that might have been a better use of TV time than what we're, where we're getting right now. Yeah. Plus, you'd probably have most of that New Japan like footage of wrestlers who are in AEW mm. and then getting big wins over them for why they matter. It, it, it's Ooh. it's a match built on dream cards. You don't need to, to, to try and shoehorn storylines in when... The storyline is is these two people wrestle for different companies and they don't meet and they're meeting for this one time on pay-per-view. And this is why things are so confused, because they're doing that at the same time as trying to continue to sell blood and guts, which again, for some reason, is the Wednesday after this. And then at the same time, you know, do a big which was very well executed, but do the big Christian turn on the show. And they're trying to save all masters and, and saving none. And to the point of, you know, explaining to people, you know, who these people are, you know, whether you need to do with that or not, I think you just fundamentally need to, you know, I think we need to I think wrestling fans in general don't know what a good TV show is because no good TV show worth its salt. You know, this is a broader problem with AEW that I'm sure we can get into. But like introducing this many new new characters at any given time is just bad writing <laughs> it is it is not mm-hmm. it's not a case of oh people are too stupid to google who desperado is or minor suzuki is it's the fact that they've got to mentally process who minor suzuki is who desperado is you know not even mentally process just just kind of mentally accepting you know kind of investing it's hard to invest in all of these different you know these different people being introduced at once yeah. R- rocky romero you know I'd always been on TV a lot of times, but I still think if I if I didn't follow New Japan, I'd still be kind of scratching my head. Okay, what? What? Sorry, why is he in this segment? Who's who's this guy again? It's like it's a bit like you know, and it was a criticism of like you know the wire at one point where it was just constantly throwing new characters at you. Even they didn't mm-hmm. you know go this far you know in the in those latter seasons. Although they did have you know some of the uh, the similar issues in the in the latter seasons where it was a bit like you know we gotten we we had so many characters you know fighting for screen time that you know. A little strand like you know like a cutty you know the uh, the boxing coach that story kind of got forgotten about because we just didn't have the time to tell that story anymore yeah. there's a lot of that you know uh, you know in, uh, on Dynamite and not handled in he had any a way. cracking time he had a cracking time in that party he did, he did some boxing and he got his shit together yeah <laughs> I suppose it's done yeah I suppose we did uh, get that story wrapped up but that's it it's it's not a good it, it is not cutty. a good TV show Dynamite right now there are fantastic wrestling matches happening and don't, let me just underline that for anyone who thinks we're just completely negative here. Fantastic wrestling matches happening on the shows right now. Across Rampage and Dynamite, yeah. you know, there are absolutely killer matches. Dax Harbour versus Will Ospreay. I can't wait to get into, you know, a four-star plus TV match that 
absolutely slayed. One of my favourite matches of the year. Absolutely loved it. You will not find, I don't think, anyone on our podcast having a go at the in-ring quality. Because at the end of the day, for uh-huh. Tony Khan's faults, which I think we found is the fact that you know he just he wants every toy and he wants to have every wrestler on his show. And then once he's got every wrestler on his show, every segment has to have fifteen people in it, and every every minute of the show has to be taken up with another segment, another segment, another segment. Nothing has time to breathe, and stories get ta- don't get time to be told properly. But the positive offshoot is that he's assembled one of the greatest wrestling rosters of all time. And at the end of the day, you throw two or three or four of these lads together in the ring. They're going to go out and kill it. And they're going to make the show still a fantastic in-ring wrestling product. Mm. The problem is everything around it right now. It's a convoluted mess. It's very... It, it's rough to follow. And again, this is not that the people watching are stupid or casual or whatever. Just basic storytelling, basic human investment, basic psychology. Like, all of those things are wrong right now. Mm-hmm. He desperately needs an editor. He desperately needs an assistant writer. And, yeah, it is a complete mess of a wrestling product right now. I don't know how else to, how else to put it. No, you, you, you've got it right. Interspersed with brilliant wrestling. But, like, you don't have any time to breathe and take stuff in. I mean, on that show you mentioned last week, you had what were effectively kind of like two heel turns at the beginning and the end of the show, didn't you? In terms of Sammy Guevara or whatever he well, he wasn't, uh, you know, it felt like a kind of his official heel turn. And then the, the Christian one, which I agree with you, I thought was great. And, like, I loved the main event. And that Osprey, that told just like a perfect bit of TV wrestling as well and it was just like a, a if you were going to have Will Ospreay there this is the kind of like use of him you don't like, de- debut him on fucking Rampage with half the, half, no. the, half the audience watching and have him lose <laughs> I mean you know, it's better than that um, let's just pretend that didn't happen like because yeah you know quality control in this company is fucking it's just gone there isn't any and this is the problem with a with an overstretched booker. You know, you, you end up with situations where, like, you know, I talked before, mm-hmm. you know, that 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 can't, you know, what you said then about, you know, Tanahashi Moxley. It's a well built feud. It's a good prestigious match between two top ish. Well, Moxley's definitely, you know, one of the top guys in, yeah. in AW. Tanahashi, you can sell as a top guy, even if you know his pomp was a few few years ago. He's still Hiroshi Tanahashi, even if we all know, you know, his uh, his days were a little bit of a, a while ago now. But it's it's a one B match on a show that needs a one A, and then you've mm. got your big segment to build that match. And because you're so fucking desperate to be clever and find a way for Tanahashi to not have to talk, you completely bury it and have t- the, the two of them. Your two main eventers laid out to get over a Jericho promo segment where, like, Jericho has to stand there and, like, fill an exposition. It was like if in an episode of The Wire, a narrator just turned up and was like, so what we're going to do is we're going to have this match and this match, and uh, for, for whatever reason, I get to select who I'm going to be facing, so it's going to be Eddie Kingston. You know Shota Umino? Oh, you haven't met him yet. Yeah, he's this new character who's coming in the next episode. He's going to be in the match as well. Oh, Eddie Kingston, I suppose as well. We might as well add you to the match as well. And then we're going to have me, Sammy Guevara, who joined me tonight. He's going to be... 
all, all built on the fact, by the way, on a running by to you know a new character in El in El Desperado and an existing one in Lance Archer who aren't in this match, by the way. So why you know yeah. again, it's yeah. like bad storytelling. Like if you can get Despi's flight by, can't you get Minoru Suzuki's? But whatever, and he's having to stand there for five minutes and get this shit over for a meaningless six man that makes no sense. It's just a fucking Jericho Appreciation Society against Moxley and Friends six man with Minoru Suzuki pushed in again. Not a dream match anyone was asking for. I'm not sure I really, you know, I don't care much for Chris Jericho in 2022, but I'm sure there's a bigger singles match if we were away from Blood and Guts you could have done with him. Minoru Suzuki, for one. Osprey, maybe. I don't know. You know, I'm just spitballing here. There are better better plans. But that's the situation Shingo. we are right now. He's having to try and, in one promo, make sense of all the stuff and explain why he wasn't here last week and wasn't in that shit show of a battle royal. It's just, that's what happens when you've got bad storytelling. you get characters who stand there and talk to the camera and explain what the fuck is going on because that's the mess we're in. Yeah. And just when you say it there, like, what's the simplest way they could be booking? Like, what do both companies have lots of? Factions. So you can just do faction like kind of multi-man tags. Take it you have Jericho Appreciation Sison versus LIJ. And you yeah. honestly, at this point, you'd be like, great. It doesn't need to be like it's it's Jericho's faction versus Naito's faction. As long as there the are big end. singles matches as well. Like I, I wouldn't let it get away oh, with yes. it. that was just the card. No, but... top four. Yeah. I would say your top four of your card should be like big singles slash tags matches as well. I mean, and they found a very tenuous way of of getting Thunder Rosa, Tony Storm onto what the, the card. What the fuck is that doing on the card? Like, I'm I, sorry, like I, I don't. They're trying to tie it with Stardom, like in a very. They do a Stardom kind of... match. Yeah, Just do one. <laughs> like, bring someone in. Do what you said. Like what? There's a political situation there with Tokyo Joshi Pro, your favorite. I know. Nobody but, cares. Like, they this... don't matter. Shall I know. I, d- I just thought you bring in Kyrie. If you want to make the event look special, bring in Kyrie. Like that would have been like for me the what you would have done. That makes sense. But, like I don't, I haven't seen an yeah. argument why you wouldn't do that. Yeah. But yeah, it, it it kind of. I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say, but I'll be glad when this pay per view is over. Just so this period of like kind of time where we end up looking about, yeah, no, do you remember the right. New Japan invasion? And it, I, I'll just be glad it's over. They didn't need it right now. me off the TV. They things, didn't need it. Things were messy enough. And then you add this extra element, as well as, you know, the other tournament they've yeah. decided to, 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 to shoehorn in here as well, as well as, you know, trying to keep the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff going, as well as having it planned for this week of all weeks to be the one where, where Christian finally turned. And apparently this week was the week that they were going to have the fucking Hardys win the tag belts. Like apparently that was an original. That was the plan. Like somebody just fucking take the magic powder out of Tosh Khan's hands and fucking just someone needs to step in and save them. She goes Savanovich nicked it. Maybe I don't. (laughs) Just what's he doing? What 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 is he doing? Yeah, that is that is that is absolutely it. This is not the time that for this. Like it Mm. is it has come at the worst worst possible time for them and. Yeah, having to shoehorn in this New Japan stuff has has not, you know, improved the already bad storytelling we were getting on the show. It's um, it's a mess. Yeah, it is. And also, and... yeah, as Sean says, what's going on with the IWGP title? You build to the big title matches. Will Okada wow. turn up? Maybe, maybe not. Like there is it. There's a tweet going back a few weeks ago. Where New Japan outright said Okada was going to be at the show. Now I'm not so sure based on Meltzer's reporting whether it's something to do with you know his uh, his wife being pregnant or he's actually not going to be in the US. 
that whole thing's clear as mud. And to be honest, any scenario they give us now doesn't really sound that exciting because you know that the, sh- the segment this week on the show. I know they tried to they tried to have the cake and eat it. They tried to have because uh, I w- rewatched the segment because I read it as Hangman saying he still wanted Okada despite the fact he wasn't he wasn't the champion anymore, which you know kind of makes Hangman look like a goof, but okay. But the way he worded it was he still wants the match, which I suppose could be a match with Jay White. But then you've got like this strife with Jay White and for some reason Adam Cole's you know where the had to be title at this point. Like and that's the build to that. Like whether we get a four way out of it or these two singles matches at this point, I don't even think that's particularly you know going to add much to the car. Like, like you said earlier, the only thing that's going to make this car feel stronger is is Zach is Zach and Brian. I don't think you can take maybe Brian and Okada is probably a, a higher prestige match I would have done, but you know, aside from that, Zach's a, a solid match for him. Um, fuck, where are we going? <laughs> what is going on? I don't know. I got the idea in my head. Why it wouldn't it be great if they just chucked on for a laugh, like Hiromu versus Sting for like shits and giggles. I, I honestly, that's that's the point now. Just like kind of wanting to see anything at at, at this stage. But yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah. I don't know. Sean asked you in the chat, why would Jay attack Page? Why would the Kerry want to the Shuffle Okada? Yeah. Why is Cole bother? What Page is doing? Nobody knows. It's just. He's on our booking to get to the big match at the pay per view. <laughs> it's like that's that's and where we are. And it also because you get Adam Page, all the double or nothing stuff. We haven't had any kind of fallout from like any of the stuff with Punk as well. So it's just like a weird place from like character. And that's the other thing as well. It's it's like they've got their own pre existing storylines, but they've just been invaded by another TV show. Um, I saw the uh, the analogy of EastEnders being invaded by a Spanish soap. <laughs> Which, if is. that led to EastEnders being invaded by El Dorado, I'd have paid big fucking money for that back in the day. Like, I really would have done. But you would say that's a hardcore fan, JP. What would, what would the casuals think? The casuals would be, would be so confused. They wouldn't know who anyone is, you know? But I bet you EastEnders do a fucking better job of explaining it than this, these guys. Marcus Tandy turns up in the Queen Vic, and he's just like a big like character, and it's like, what the fuck is this? Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, they're trying to keep the story going with the you know, the strife with the Mitchell brothers and uh, everything else going on. But you even though those highly skilled EastEnders writers could uh, would struggle to uh, to handle a situation like that, it's almost like it's a bad idea. But that's yeah. where we are. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. I suppose we've uh, we've written to the, the book enough. What did you enjoy out of the show this week, JP? What did you uh, What did you like on Dynamite? Give us some positives. Oh, I mean, you've kind of mentioned on there, like I. I I enjoyed uh, the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. I thought that was like a, just for what it was. It was the kind of spectacular, ridiculous match, and I was just glad that the belts were off Jurassic Express. And I liked the heel turn. It's just that you. It's so weird. It's one of these things where they did this for too long. They held off for it for like a bit too long because it should. We should be at the point now where we're kind of building up to like you know properly Christian versus Jungle Boy at, um, at All In. But it feels like, I don't know, so that's why it has sort of less of the impact for me. Osprey, Dax Harwood, I, I I kind of like, even the even the hair versus hair, I kind of like sort of almost begrudgingly found entertaining. And even the Sammy Guevara dressing up as Fuego Del Sol. Um, and then on like, I watched... Um, Oh, it's on a rampage as well. And I thought like kind of John Moxley versus Dante Martin, but it, and then it kind of encapsulated stuff for me where D- 
Dante Martin can't move above the station that he's at because there's so many other people and he's he's just sort of in the ether, isn't he? Brought out Everybody's- to kind of have a spe- spectacular TV match. Leon Ruff being on there as a former NXT North American title in what was effectively a squash match with Max Caster and the and the Gun Club, which you're talking about stuff that kind of gets over. It feels like that's gotten over. Like, but like it, it, it you know, but it doesn't mean that this show is kind of must-see. I watched Rampage and was kind of found myself just being sort of generally pleasantly surprised by it. It's an eat, like I say, it's, it's not a hard hour of TV, but it's not essential. Where does that get you though? You know, right rising the car yeah. W right now. Like, you know, look at Dar- Darby Allen's a great example. We were talking about him on, on, on Twitter today. Like, you know, Darby Allen, you could plot out his, you know, ascension in the card. You could see him kind of moving up when you know, AW wasn't, you know, so stacked with all of Tony Khan's shiny new toys and mm-hmm. you know, there weren't eight billion segments on every show with, with with no time to breathe and nothing allowed to kind of feel more important than anything else. Like what does an ascension of the card even look like at this point? Like everyone's kind of stuck in that mire in the middle. Like you tell me, you know, who's higher on the card out of like Andrade or Tommy End or Darby Allen or, or Jungle yeah. Boy or Ricky Starks or Keith Lee or Shane Strickland or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there, there, there isn't a, you know, a, a fair main card, you know, main event or upper card, mid card, lower card, like, mm. Thing to climb at this point there's it's starting to feel quite consequenceless i think a lot of aw and that's yeah. the problem because a lot of the actions like you say the standalone stuff is still very good you know darby allen and, and bobby fish was a killer match on on rampage those yeah beat the absolute shit out of each other i really enjoyed that to go back to what you were saying about dynamite like i absolutely loved dax harwood and, and will osprey like that was a tv match and a half like that was yeah it's the Dax Harwood special. You know, you know, I don't really buy that the uh, the Young Bucks FTR matches were five stars or some of these FTR tags were, were five stars, but as far as like a great singles TV wrestler, like he's head and shoulders above, you know, anyone right now and he gave, you know, Osprey a great match. You have got, you know, plenty of uh, praise for Osprey himself, you know, as well as uh, you could equally say Osprey gave uh, gave Dax, you know, a great match, but they were a match made in heaven, you know. They, they, it was one of those where they, they slid into each other's style really well, you know, with with Harwood uh, kind of trying to ground Osprey and Osprey flying, but in the right places, you know, as a heel and still being that that dickhead heel, still feeling like a, you know, a star despite you know the booking making every attempt to just make you think he's just another run of the mill, you know, character number eighty four on any given episode of Dynamite or Rampage. I thought he stood out, um, and it was just a a great match with great near falls that you know said everything about what the, the positive on AEW is right now that you can just put these two guys in the ring together and you know yeah. let them let them go out there and uh, and kill it cuz I did very much enjoy that um you know I wasn't hugely high um uh, on the young Bucks Jurassic express in the main event I know most people were so I think that's that's definitely a, you know a tick point for for AEW in general I think I'm just bored of the ladder matches and you know I think you can be you can have a you can have yeah, the greatest ladder enough. match in the world you know I think Melter went 4.75 on this you know a basically five star ladder match out there but I don't know it just doesn't just doesn't... Mate, I was talking 3.75 <laughs> Oh wow! It's illegal. Like, oh, right, Jesus uh, Christ! You know that kind of works with the uh, with the exchange rate at uh, at this point. But yeah, yeah, I'm just not you know 
just not in the mood anymore. I think for a, for ladder matches on AWTV, I think they've they've burnt them this year, and this felt like just a another unnecessary one um, that the uh, the Jurassic Express got shoehorned into. But yeah, a lot of people love that match, and what I did love was was the post match. I thought it was very well done. Uh, the Christian um, mm. turn. I thought the stuff on Fight TV, the exclusive stuff. Uh, oh, I saw that. Was shouting at Jungle Boy's mum and uh, and sister, you raised a piece of shit. All of that stuff. Thought that was. Fantastic um, and very well done. Do wish it was taken out oh, place. Sister calling him like a, a fucking future. nobody or something oh, like that. Or... She did not. Uh, she did not hold back uh, one bit. Um, but yeah, you know, Good shit. yeah. But yeah, with the ladder match, yeah, as Chris has said here, the fact that you know the fact that they were even considering putting Jeff Hardy in the ladder match was didn't didn't uh, no. didn't sit right with me. Um, to be honest, but you know the fact that yeah, it felt very NXT. You know, wheeling out yet, you know, another ladder I, match. But the lads did well in the circumstances. You know, what can you? You know, when people are, are raving about it and going near five stars on it, you can't uh, can't get mad at the books or Jurassic Express. Um, it's the it's the position they were in. It, but at least the tag belts are going to be on on the bucks, and they're not going to feel like an afterthought. Like the least interesting thing in the match are the champions themselves. Like I don't think that's going to be the case. And... CWR booking, isn't it? Yeah, you know, don't don't spend your time mm. actually getting the team over. Just put the belts on them, and then that's fine. You know, it's what happens. Can have a feud feud of proud and powerful. That'd be good. We'd eventually get around to doing using them in a in a kind of much more meaningful way after maybe blood and guts is is done and dusted. That would be nice. Yeah, I'd take that. Um, but yeah, you know. Christian I, enjoy- <laughs> I mean, yeah, and you know, I'm praising a Christian segment, so you know, g- g- yeah. cut me some slack here. People who think I, I hate ever <laughs> of you, um, but yeah, what else was on the show? Jericho and Ortiz was, you know, fine, um, pr- pretty good opener. I do think that you know, it, that was another that was another thing that suffered from you know the the lack of you know space to breathe on these shows. There was no real last minute promotion last week for for Jericho. You had Jericho on like a boat or on a tropical island or something in, in the week between Dynamite's trying to promote the thing because AW didn't do a great job of it um, odd one to have a hair versus hair match kind of as a bit of a throwaway opener to Dynamite but I, I think it's going to pay off I think there's got, probably going to be some kind of payoff off the blood and guts where you know Jer- they finally get revenge on Jericho and they shave his, uh, his head off and uh, explodes that uh, that bald spot that the uh, the world got to see on the uh, <laughs> on the last pay-per-view in uh, either beds have you of in, uh, in Vegas uh, I think that's the way we're, uh, we're going there but what else happened on the show? Wardlow versus the uh, the security. Better idea than uh, that it was in. Uh, oh yeah, I think the. Uh, I don't know. Like you can forgive a few security guards getting pinned um, with the bellies to the floor, but I think the uh, he probably took the piss with that and, and ran out of steam in there in that segment. Did they ever? Yeah, you know, we all kind of laughed at the meme of uh, of Wardlow smashing through twenty security guards. Yeah, it was. Um, it was just weird as fuck. Like it, it really was. Just because they weren't being pinned properly. And I immediately tuned out at this point. I went, oh, oh, right, whatever. Um, it, it was under five minutes, but it felt like it kind of dragged, if I could be, be honest for it, like you say. But it's just the end of that. He just needs to squash Scorpio Sky, put the TNT belt on him, and just you book him like Goldberg with the US title, basically. But uh, like a Goldberg who can actually wrestle a bit. Like, if you do, do it that way, that's all they need to do. It's like the one thing they shouldn't really be fucking up on is him sort of like just going through like the entire like mid and upper mid card as well yeah it like yeah the payoff you know 
there's been fun segments with this, but I feel like, you know, moving on from MJF, first thing that should have happened is Wardlow should have just smashed through Scorpio Sky on the first yeah. dynamite after that pay-per-view, you know, instead of us all talking about MJF, we should have all been continuing to talk about Wardlow. But I think we're getting there. I think we're uh, we're getting there just in a in a in a different route. But yeah, I suppose. Huh? Any other thoughts on AWJP? I mean we could mm. as we as we said last week, I was ready. I'm almost hoping I would have egg on my face. You know, we come around to this week's spotlight and be much more pop, positive and forbidden door. Like we keep saying, if we get Zach Bryan, that's going to improve things somewhat. Mm-hmm. You know, there's even rumour that it could be Kenny taking on Jay White. It's not the way I'll be bringing Kenny back, um, you know, the week before the pay-per-view and a surprise to, to face Jay White. But desperate times go with desperate measures. So yeah. that could help things, you know, if that is uh, indeed true. I'm not so sure. Uh, I think we're getting some kind of convoluted mess with Adam Cole and Jay White and Okada and Hangman, like a fall away or something like that. that yeah. Really asked for. But I guess we'll see. But, you know, there, there is still a few days to go, JP. You know, we could be sat here on the weekend show before the pay-per-view, um, you know, singing the praises of uh, of genius Tony Khan. He's turned things around. He's he's listened to uh, to the Wade Killer Hotline. He's listened to uh, to Dave and Brian Observer Radio. He's listened to John and Way. He's listened to us even, and he's uh, he's put things right. But I don't know. What's your expectation on the like other back? I'd be very pleasantly surprised if if any of that actually happens. That he's uh, he decides. Yeah, I'm going to slow this down. I'm just going to strip it back to just like kind of like pure wrestling. The way you know what what Jesus died on the cross for, but I don't <laughs> think that's going to be happening. Like, more likely, Brian Staten's going to give a take on the Vince McMahon uh, news than uh, than that happens. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, there's much more of a of a of a chance of that happening. Um, there's yeah. me as I put us, ourselves in the same group as Wade Keller, Dave Meltzer, and John and Wade. Uh, but... <laughs> I was going to say, it's a big <laughs> felt a bit lofty that didn't I? Oh. <laughs> Listen to oh. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. There's a there's AW uh, for the weekend, yeah. But like I say, we have egg off races come uh, mm. come Thursday morning. I will welcome it because um, right now things are looking pretty shit. I mean, before we move on, think, speaking of shit, as we uh, if you want to do the double duty of trash and things like we did with WH last uh, <laughs> last week, JP. Um, how's your excitement level? G one blocks. G uh, one blocks, mate. How you uh, how you feeling? Are you, uh, you hyped for the uh, for the big matches? You're gonna get all the uh, the filthy Tom Dream matches that you were. Uh, you were hoping for all of this. You got you're excited for the uh, for that D block. Um, <laughs> you know, how's, mate. It, how's it looking for you, mate? It, I, Have you got it in front of you first? I've got it in front of me first Go of on. all. On on here, I looked at them and my immediate reaction is I felt particularly uninspired by them um, as much as anything. It's like they each follow a format, don't they? Like you've got your kind of. Like there's there's at least one person in each of the blocks who can ruin that block. There's no dream block in and any of this. There's one person who's the actual star and the likely winner in the fucking center of the frame of every photo of the block. Like your eye yeah. is drawn to like Okada, Jay White, Tanahashi, Will Ospreay, and then you look at the back row and go, okay, who would they have a good match against? And then it's like one guy. Oh, oh sorry, not even a good match. That, is, that yeah. I take that back. An interesting match because there are you know good matches that have happened a billion times before in these blocks. But it makes it an easy game to go. Okay, what am I skipping and what am I watching? It does, and it feels like we're going to have a lot of of that as well. And I imagine a lot of the shows they announce are going to have like two blocks on there at a time. So it might be the A block and D block or stuff like that. And, I'd imagine from a live perspective, that'll make for a sort of much more interesting for those people who are going to these shows that they think actually there might be a good mix of people who they'll 
they'll manage to get on. But like you say, it's one thing you could accuse very easily the, the G1 of being, and this is, you know, very much like the most obvious example of Ghetto kind of sticking to what he knows. And like you say, it feels like each block has got its is got its kind of formula there. Um it's you know, there's a there's a couple of kind of stories. You can pretty much guess who's going to be winning. Um it doesn't feel like there's much scope for kind of somebody to kind of come through and and take everything by surprise or you know, so we're not going to be getting that. And I think what we're going to end up with is a card or winning overall. And then that being in, in the in the main event of the Tokyo Dome to take on Jay White. But like, yeah, at least it'll be easier to kind of pick and choose. But at the A block for me. So the, yeah, the I'll, a, I'll run through the block yeah. quickly. I've got a block, yeah. Okada, Yano, Tom Lawler, Jeff Cobb, Jonah, Battle of Bad Luck Farley, Lance Archer. So Bad Luck Farley is the shit one. Okada yeah. is the, the, the ace, and then it's your pick of what your favourite match might be out of that lot. Jay White is the ace in the B block with Ishii, Sanada, Tamatanga, Grace Khan, Chase Owens stinking things up, and, and Taichi, who's a super worker compared to Chase Owens there. C block, oh. as Tanahashi is the star, with Goto, Naito, Zack Sabre, Aaron Harari, Kenta, and evil stinking things up. And yeah, there are a lot of, uh, you know, Kenta, Zack, Naito, Tanahashi, Tanahashi, Zack, Tanahashi, Kenta. Matches that could be good, but I feel like we've seen 400 times before. We have. That's the, uh, the problem with that. And then your D block is Osprey as your ace with Yoshihashi, Shingo, which is your clear dream match, uh, or, you know, your clear uh, great match in, in there, and Shingo Osprey. With, I suppose, a fresh-looking lineup of Dave Finley, Juice Robinson, El Fantasmo, and Yujiro stinking things up. But, yeah. you know, how many of them are matches that you particularly want to see? Osprey in or, or Shingo in? Um, I don't know, mate. When you when, when you dream matches out of these lineups, uh, are looking yeah. forward to Tom Lawler and uh, and yeah. Yano going back and forth. I think we're in, we're in for a rough oh. G1. Or maybe a good G1, because we could probably pick and choose quite easily. I think so. I think we're getting another. I'm very much feel like I'm getting another pick and choose G1. And there was a point where I thought G1 was absolutely essential viewing, pretty much like every day, like for the when we were doing those real endurance tests on there. You're right, Tom Lawler. Why? Because he's the interesting outsider of everyone they've brought in, and it feels like he's the one who's genuinely having unique matches. I suppose you could say Jonah within like kind of New Japan proper. I'm looking forward to seeing Tom Lawler versus Jeff Cobb. Because we saw that match at Blackpool uh, Tower. Oh, Andy, I didn't mention hundred yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we were we were pissed up. They're massive slush puppies you could get for a fiver. <laughs> um, about that? Fucking gigantic, yeah. Do one and of them. Still the... fucking hot and oh, I know, exactly. It's, it's only just gotten dark now. Um, but the, uh, oh, what was that? That was the one with the bloke with the Shane McMahon, like baseball jersey was <laughs> that he had on there. Happy days. Um, if only Shane McMahon was in one of these G1 blocks, then that would be something for it. I mean, the the issue I have when when going through this is is I just don't feel enthused by the booking for it or what the potential booking is because it feels like we're getting to who the 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 kind of obvious you'd imagine who the obvious four to be. I just think it'll be Naito out of C block, you know, JY Osprey and Okada with you know. I don't see Shingo, for example, making it to the semis, which would have been kind of interesting if they end up going all in on on Osprey as well. So yeah, it you know it could be the COVID talking, 
Um, because I've noticed throughout through recording tonight, it's it, you know, starts to seep in and you don't find yourself necessarily looking forward to this, but it just feels like the bloated mess that I, that you feared it would be when they announced all 28 people. And you, you look at the blocks, just one it, it's because everything is so evenly set out because the booking is going to kind of mirror itself in each of these blocks, but just in smaller form, it doesn't make you kind of look forward to it. And you mentioned that like, it's not so there won't be good matches on it. It's just that you will have, we will have already seen them. Like I, I, it felt like I was doing a bit like, you know, I said on Twitter, a block, Okada, Tom Lawler, just because I want to see Tom Lawler in there with Okada. And maybe I have been talked into, you know, Tom Lawler, Yano. Or maybe there are other, like, you know, interesting Tom Lawler matches in that block. But realistically, there's two matches I'd say I'm interested in. B block, JYT, she have had bangers before. I'd happily see that again, as far as rematches go. Sonata, Tamatanga, Greto, Khan, Chase Owens, and Taichi. Don't need to watch any of their matches. C block, no. Tanahashi. Throw him in there with, let's say, Zach, I suppose. That might be the most interesting match in the block. Feel like I've seen it, but I'll take that. Not really interested in, you know, seeing it. Maybe there's a good grapple rating yeah. for, a, for a match or, or two in there. Maybe I'll seek it out. But really, one must watch match in that block for me. And then the D block, Osprey Shingo, you know, got match of the tournament written all over it. Can't wait yeah. for that. Won't turn that down. Do I want to see Osprey Shingo against anyone else in that block? Yoshihashi, David Finley, Juice Robinson, El Fantasmo, Yujiro? No, I'm probably not going to watch it, so I probably shouldn't complain. Thank you, Ghetto. I hope you're giving me a very easy G1 to watch this year, because unless these grapple ratings are, are through the roof, then, yeah, yeah, not interested. And there isn't anyone of that kind of like real breakout star potential. I mean, I don't know. I look at the A block, an example, and I see like Jeff Cobb having a better G1 perhaps than than last year. He might end up being the person who effectively finishes second place in that block. Yeah, people it will be into that. I've got to say, I am unusually low on Jeff Cobb because I'm the real low man and everyone seems to love him. So, you know, if you're excited for that, go for you. He's really found himself, I think, within, within the last year. I also think Great O'Khan will end up having like kind of a push in B block. It's about how, you know, and it'll be what kind of Tamatonga do we get? Because obviously it's not going to be the nightmare of a couple of years ago where it's all sort of bullshit interference. There's going to be an element of, like, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, and let's say it's minor interest, but seeing how people kind of, what is the pecking order? Like, just seeing Tom Lawler in a G1. Mm. Like, I'll be watching each and every one of those matches because I want to, like, him doing comedy with Yano, like, would be fascinating, never... You know him in there with a jo- with a big lad and bad luck Farley. What kind of match can he get out of him? Obviously, him against like an Akada. You know him against Cobb again. Like that for me is the kind of interest. It's it is. It feels like one of those predictable World Cups mm-hmm. where you pretty much know who the semi finalists are going to end up being. Um, but it's which of the dark horses are going to have like a good tournament. Basically, who's going to be like Denmark in nineteen eighty six? You're say, I don't know, Senegal in 2002. <laughs> you reminded me there, mate. We could all be enjoying a World Cup right now, couldn't we? Fucking Qatar. Um, I could be enjoying a fucking World Cup. Bullshit, that is. <laughs> oh, well. Christmas break, mate. Uh, like, get used to it because they're going to, uh, once they do it, once they're going uh, to, oh, get yeah. To that. So, yeah, there you go. We got that to look forward to. But there you go. We buried AEW, we've buried New Japan. <laughs> we've been very negative, JP, but like, I, I, th- I think this podcast is going to, uh, gonna turn around at this point because 
I tell you what, I've got a a lot positive to say about one of the the uh, mm-hmm. other, one of the shows uh, we're going to talk about that we've uh, we've watched this week, and uh, and maybe uh, I, I'll throw out a couple of match recommendations in at the end as well for uh, for the stuff I've seen this week. Tell you what, mate, if you want some positivity out of me, I fucking loved Impact Slammiversary this weekend. Yeah. Absolutely fucking loved it. Like I am so annoyed. like I share a birthday with Impact as we said earlier. And I didn't watch this thing live on Sunday night, mainly because I can't hack it anymore. I'm near forty, so I end up having and end up having an uncharacteristic early night for me on uh, on Sunday after party and uh, all day in the park. But watching it two days removed, it was I was still giddy with excitement watching this thing. I don't think Impact in its present state, considering what it is now, and they, crucially, they know who they are now. You know, Scott Demore yeah. and the lads are fully aware. They're not. They're not AEW. They're not the the beat of the WWE. They're not a major player in wrestling at this point. They are who they are. They can get what they can get, and they'll do the best with what they can get. They knocked it out the fucking park with this show. It had, mm-hmm. you know, okay. You know, the undercard wasn't filled with fantastic matches or, or anything. They had a fantastic main event. You know, I'll get into that lately. But some very good matches. You know. Littered throughout the show, you know, your three to four star range matches that were were enjoyable enough for what they are. But what it had all the way through it, and Chris Elliott says in the chat, you know, mentions there he thought it was a fun show himself. Was fun, was nostalgia, was a sense of knowing their own history and what they were and making the most of that history, both good and bad, by the way, because there were there's elements of TNA history that, you know, even a hardcore TNA fan like yourself, JP, is a, has got to be a little <laughs> embarrassed about, but they embraced it and they embraced every part yeah. of it. You know, they had, you know, videos sent in by, you know, Sting, AJ Styles, Dixie Carter turned up on the show, down to, you know, people like, you know, Mickey James, Christy Hemi, you know, turning up, up to like... I'm sure we'll talk about it. The incredible video package they put together for for uh, for, for Mike Tanay and Don West. Oh, Don West, that was brilliant. one of the classiest things you know I've seen in wrestling in a long time. All of those great feel good moments, you know, America's Most Wanted, you know, turning up in ring. Oh. All of those, all of those little things. They did such a good job with it. Throughout, you know, some good, some bad stipulation matches known from TNA's past. You know, the reverse battle royal, maybe you know, maybe not the best idea to bring that thing back, but whatever. You know, a, a nice little cheeky nod to the uh, the negative past the TNA. I suppose I probably count the uh, the King of the Mountain there uh, in that too. Although uh, Eddie might uh, might kill us for uh, for saying that, but you know, embrace some of the positive history. You know, Ultimate X. Embrace some of the positive history with you know the Impact Originals team, the Monsters Ball. Like this was a celebration of of twenty years yeah. of good and bad TNA, and they nailed the tone for it. It was exactly what it should have been. I don't think it could have been any better with the uh, the path they had. And I thought it was a thoroughly thoroughly entertaining show. And get this, JP didn't even go three hours. Unlike this podcast, like that's a that's a win for a wrestling yeah. show as well. Just a just a just a just a great show all in all, and a a show that yeah was by far the best thing I watched this week. Yeah, I'm with you 100% for this. My main thing, like you say, fun, the tone, they got like the, the exactly the right side of it. The the kind of, they didn't like hide away from it. It was, it, you have to start off with lots of Jeff Jarrett stuff, even if he's not going to be able to speak because of his, his role in WWE. The fact that they got people to kind of, like the the big stars, like having Angle on there as well to kind of like send in the messages. But the, AJ, they, that they was managed. Massive. 
Like that AJ, AJ's massive for that. And it was and it was really and that was really cool. Mm. Um cool that he wanted thought, to do it, to be honest. Like I was like, it, you know, he could leave that part of his history behind, you know, but the fact that he's the fact that he AJ left Styles them bad terms, didn't he? Yeah, he did, you know. He wasn't they, good. He was very much like him undervalued and the master take a third of his salary. Well, he went to New Japan, wasn't it? But you know, the fact that yeah. he's willing to sit there as a WWE contracted guy and talk about, you know, Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels and you know, mention how, you know, he noted how many times he said the word wrestling you know talking about impact history yes. surreal you know that's a guy who's you know featured guy on raw you know that's that that was fucking cool sorry carry on yeah and he's no, on no, the show talking about the old as well you know it's wild yeah and he very rarely i mean sting doesn't necessarily it, it was it's almost presented when he came back to wwe and uh when he went into aw like he He'd not been anywhere else. It was like he's been away for ages. He loved Joker Sting. He, like, he, liked he it. can't stop talking yeah. about how much he enjoyed doing, being Joker Sting. <laughs> like, has Tony not done that yet? Has, have we not had the Joker Sting uh, redux? And I think what what we ended up here with, with Slammiversary is a show that kind of really over-delivered, which is the kind of probably quite apt for Impact in mm. 2022 as a show that generally over-delivers for what it is because it should really be dead. In so many incarnations, like we spoke about it on when we did the observe this on, on the Patreon, and we were speaking about how the business model they had for like the weekly pay per views, shocking idea. Like there was no way it was ever gonna gonna work, sort of long term. But this, for example, they they straddled a line of not just getting lost in nostalgia, but they were having the newer stars kind of very much tie into it. And my God, the callbacks in the main event, just the, some of the moves that were being chosen, I had a massive smile on my face throughout it and it was a match I was quite kind of like quite down on necessarily but I thought everything either hit the level that I expected it to or was slightly better and that was even going for things like the reverse battle royal which I went fine and I just wrote my first note was at least they own their history yeah yeah it's a waste of a Chris Bay and a and a, and a Steve Macklin but one of the things you would say about them and I think this is why we're higher on it you see like we're talking about AEW and the kind of like bloated nature of it this is quite stripped back for what it is. And even then you can argue they're using sort of too many people in terms of the, the multi-person matches, but there was a load of matches on this. that I just, I, the queen of the mountain match, I didn't expect to kind of necessarily like enjoy it as much as I did. They were clearly killing themselves uh, at points for it. And the gimmick itself is, is awful, but weirdly they kind of made it work through sheer bloody mindedness. The monster's ball stipulation when they came out after 24 hours about what? food and water. Why is Moose doing that gimmick in a pair of white jeans? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's a recipe I... for disaster. If you're all locked in a room for 24, like, I'm, I'm not being like gross, JP, but at some point, yeah, like, he must have had to shit. Like, you know, I, I mean, yeah. this is a shoot. White pants feels like a mistake, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I can't imagine there's toilet paper in that room. Unless he's yeah. shitting in the dark and like. <laughs> What, trying to stumble around? He's going to have to be incredibly precise with what he's doing there because he could easily slip. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> you know, all of all of that stuff there. There was but always a hole in the, in, the, in the logic yeah. behind that match, but what are you going to do? But, they, but it felt much more of a celebration because they had a Monsters Ball match and they had a Queen of the Mountain match and they had an Ultimate X match. And, you know, they had... All of these, all of these things, and these kind of good moments, but it also 
like kind of felt like as well like the people they went with the idea of having your champions as at the end of the night as Josh Alexander Mike Bailey um and Jordan Grace as your kind of like your big three that felt like for me I was like oh okay that that's that's actually kind of pretty cool and shows you the direction that overall they've gone in the direction of travel where they've been quite canny with their pickups like say, and they have, and they've resisted the urge to go berserk with them. They've used like, and this is to say that Impact, you can always argue, used too many people, but they just haven't gone as like ballistic compared to like um, uh, what AEW have. And I think it just makes for a much easier experience. This was, I just thought this was like a breeze to watch. It was. It really was, and you know, yeah. the, the thing about that with the with the with the roster is like they don't know what how long they're gonna get anyone anyway. So you know, might as well use them while they've got them, because at any moment someone can fuck yeah, off. Fair. You know, so you know, might as well uh, make hay or whatever the uh, the phrase is. But yeah, I I'm with you. Absolutely loved it. Loads of great moments and um bits in there of, of nods to to history and the like. And yeah, just you know, I thought the 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 in ring was met that standard as well yeah. um you mentioned that they were pointing out you know specifically the uh the mike the mike tenay don west thing was so well done like that oh. was such a nice video to watch wasn't it you know getting them you know they were in tears afterwards weren't they like yeah, Matt Ray yeah. and tom hannafin yeah who are by the way class they're they're a really good double act as well and shout out to garrett kidney because i think mm. he gives them a lot of like a lot of the prep for like kind of hannafin because these guys do their homework Pros, yeah, they're absolutely, absolutely fine for you know what they need to be yeah. for some of for, for for impact. You know, there's been worse impact commentators and there's worse commentators oh, yeah. in there in all the other areas of wrestling. They're, they do they do a good job, and um, so yeah, I enjoyed them too. But yeah, definitely yeah. want to do a special shout out to that video. If you haven't seen it already, I think it's on the impact Twitter. You should you should definitely watch it. But yeah, I suppose match wise, I mean, what stood out uh, for you? Um, running up the card, one of the uh, the ones you've uh, got a oh. special mention you want to mention. I would say I went four stars on the main event mm, and this was a match that I wasn't necessarily like kind of looking forward to. It didn't feel like it had the juice that to have for like, what is their 20th anniversary show? But in a lot of ways, it Told kind the story of, of impact, I, I, though, didn't it? it did tell the mm. it did. And it was kind of appropriate having Eric Young there. And then judging by the spoilers as well, this is like a storyline that's going to continue, but with kind of Joe Doring. What I liked about it was it didn't just for, follow the kind. It felt like Josh Alexander was on top for a lot of this. It felt like a great showcase of him, and Eric, like it told the story well. I thought of Eric, people thinking where's well, Eric Young should he be in this spot, and having to kind of take shortcuts with Cody Dina and Joe Doring at ringside and stuff like that. And then they had this just brilliant thing where they were doing loads and loads of callbacks to kind of like an angle slam on Doring off the um, apron through the table. There was like the, yeah, the Jarrett guitar. That was brilliant. I laughed my fucking head off when, um, when Eric Young did that. Um, When they did, uh, oh, what was it? It was, um, he did the Samoa Joe powerbomb into a kind of like Boston crab as well so it was all of these kind of callbacks and it was really well delivered and it was very much like kind of Alexander effectively kind of like I know he's having to take on three but it made him look strong and by the end of it I came away thinking like this guy is like a really good figurehead as the kind of champion they need in that company he's a lot more charismatic 
Like they very much play up the kind of hardworking family man stuff. Although I don't know if he does his kid need to go to all of the pay per views. I don't know. Maybe he really <laughs> wants nice to go. Though, it? it is for what well, I'm just an old cynic, but like <laughs> it, 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 but it's the kind of thing where it it plays up because it's very much that he's very kind of like blue collar, but um, but is someone who's always having really good matches. I thought Eric Young had his kind of best match I'd seen him in for for quite some time. I bought on the near fall when he did the um, the uh, pole driver. On, on the boards when they managed to pull that back and it didn't overstay its welcome like that's the beauty of this you mentioned about the time length there was no match that went over 20 minutes when I look back on the times and this was 18 minutes and it didn't mess around you had like video package to the ring like and I, I just thought this was a match that was just like a hell of a lot of fun yeah definitely and I, like I said I think my biggest takeaway on it is that Eric Young was the right man for the spot. Um, yep. you know, despite our maybe misgivings on him and maybe not enjoy them as much as you know, overall we've been high, haven't we, on the when we've checked in on the uh, these impact mini pay-per-views mm. and the odd bit of bit of TV, we've overall enjoyed the product. Eric Young's not often a name that comes up though. You know, we talk about the, the positives of, of what they're doing and his you know, well, stable and stuff. Sorry. I was gonna say, did you not always find that the wariness we always had about TNA? slash impact was that they'd hit a little run of big of shows pay-per-views and you thought this is the time to get invested and then they'd fuck it up they'd shoot themselves in the foot they'd book a really daft pay-per-view and all the kind of wrong people go over and the rest of it i've got a bit more faith because like i say we've been watching these for like a while we've just saying actually there is there is just something about the stability of a scott demore booked product that he kind of gets, like, knows how to do it and work with the pieces that he has, that always means that these are kind of fun. And the in-ring's gotten better. And people, like even Natasha Steeles, you can tell she's gotten better, like, over time. Like, they've shown that bit of faith and investment in people. And, you know, I'm hoping, for example, there's going to be a whole Alex Zane versus Ace Austin feud, because I think that would be the kind of really good upper-mid-card feud to kind of get those guys ready for for perhaps, you know, up and around that main event scene. I think that's it. And yeah, I could say on the on the on that main event, you know, I was just gonna say, you know, Eric mm-hmm. Young is he is the story of this promotion, you know, from start to finish, yeah. you know, from being that underdog to, you know, don't fire Eric to, you know, becoming a serious character to leave it and, you know, almost tells the story too, the fact that he's left and he's had to come back and he's had to come to Impact, you know, an Impact have kind of had to accept that and use him. Kind of tells the story of what Impact is and what where Eric Young kind of, you know, is in his career, but that leaves you with a man who's got, you know, lots to prove and, you know, as a heel, I've, I've not seen him, you know, be better in a match. I thought he was, uh, he was very yeah. good in this and, you know, I think some of the callbacks, you know, the <laughs> they were heavy-handed. I've got to say, uh, oh. if, if this was an FTR match, I'm, <laughs> I might be saying something about it. But I mean, you know, on TNA's anniversary show, and it's you know, it's a fucking impact. You know, I, I, I can accept it. Um, and like I said, the work was so so well done. You believe that Josh Alexander is a legitimate, you know, old-school fan of of TNA, so you believe it. You know, when he throws these uh, these spots into his match, and 
and a young is the dastardly heel, so of course he's going to do a, a Jericho guitar spot. You know, it logically held together, I suppose. You know, so I won't, uh, I won't complain too much. It's about perfect that. guitar shot as well. One of those is just like goes, the head stays on it as well. It's, it's brilliant. Almost as good as that one uh, Jarrett hit, uh, hit Effie with. Uh, did you see that story? Effie saying that yeah. <laughs> Jarrett, Jarrett came in, changed the finish to the match, went over, and then is never going to do a rematch with him. Good. Fuck you, Effie. <laughs> Jeff always wins. Uh, this, that is all this show was missing was a was a was a Jeff uh, appearance. But yeah, as uh, Chris said in the chat there, Master Rotary uh, TNA tribute match is what it was yep. by hook or by crook, and they did a very good job of it. Um, elsewhere on the show, I suppose uh, the mother match I enjoyed, I enjoyed the Ultimate X match, a bit like the ladder match mm-hmm. you know, mentioned earlier. You know, it's hard to super invest in these considering it does feel a little bit like they do too many of these a year now. Um, it's a bit a very uh, easy go to, isn't it? But a bit of nostalgia you know, mixed with some big bumps and you can uh, just throw the X-Division lads out there. But I thought it was a good as good a collection of lads. You know, I think this this match kind of summed up where we are right now with it with impact and that they've got a lot of talent. You know, I would I would put this line up. I haven't got like a big list of every X Division, you know, ultimate X match ever in front of me, but like I put this up with some of like the you know the peak alleged peak of, of impact matches mm. you know Mike Bailey, Austin Zane, Andrew Everett, Kenny King, and Trey Miguel. I mean at least those first three. I think I'd take over and probably first four. I'd take over you know the the glory days of you know I wasn't really a a Sanjay Dutt or a P.T. Williams or a Michael Shane kind of guy you know. Um, yeah. It wasn't a Jay Lethal or uh, or at the time Chris Saban guy although I did that. They got grow to love the uh, the Motor City Machine Guns didn't even need to grow. It was pretty quick that. But you know that that uh, that, that that kind of bland middling uh, X division that's uh, that's remembered so fondly. Uh, I don't know. I think I feel like I put these lads above them because that's a that's a hell of a list of talents. And I thought in the match itself, thought ASOS don't look great. A perfect match for Alex Zane to do some spots and not need to do any logic. Shout out to Alan Farrell, bigger bit like Alex Zane, perfect, <laughs> if you know that. Um, I'm gonna get to that Andrew Everett bump. Oh, Andrew Everett's really you land on his head for for money. That's basically what his job oh, is, um, and that's yeah. what he basically was here. It was uh, it did look. He was a replacement for Jack Evans, wasn't he? So, oh, was he? I didn't realize that. Okay, yeah, yeah okay, that makes sense. Because yeah, we were looking at that, going, "What's what Jack Evans uh, doing and such?" Oh, that's a bit that's a bit of a shame. Uh, Jack wasn't there. I didn't realize that. He took a horrible bump, didn't he? At GCW, is that right? And he yeah, he did. Like... he did. I mean, it was it was a regular six thirty, but it. Yeah, didn't uh, didn't go particularly well on this occasion, but uh yeah, so that's that's kind of that's kind of sad. But yeah, it did look nasty. It did feel a little bit like the uh, I don't know. They spent uh, in that last few minutes of the match. It did feel a little bit like I think there was another spot planned because you know uh, he was up there with a. Uh, with Bailey was at Ace Austin. Like the two of them spent a long, long time, um, kind of just like on the uh, on the ropes, um, and it felt like maybe there was a spot missing. But uh, still, it was it was a good uh, good spot for Mike Bailey to uh, mm-hmm. to go over, and he looked uh, he looked good there, uh, you know, help uh, propping himself up on the uh, on the X at the end and uh, and winning it. He's uh, he's been a, he's been another success story, hasn't he? You know, impact of uh, yes. taking a chance on him and uh, you know got him his visa and uh, and got him on TV. Um, I think that's a that's a that's a nice story. It's probably not happening in AW forum. Probably not happening for WWE forum. But you know, Impact's a nice little home for someone of the uh, the standard of Mike Bailey. I was going to say it feels like the perfect home for him at the minute. He gets completely lost in the shuffle everywhere else, and I just kept on thinking it was the right. It was it was like the right moment to put the belt on him as well, because obviously we'd seen him. He was regularly having like some of the best matches on these shows. He's been. He feels so fresh 
But at the same time, because he's been able to hone his craft all around the world, he's he's become so good and so developed. Felt perfect him winning. I just hope, for example, like for Ace Austin, and I imagine even like Trey Miguel. I just kind of want to see them out of the X Division scene. Like if this could be the Bailey Division, um, like I think those are those are guys, particularly Ace Austin. You've got to start thinking about like moving up as being a future opponent for Josh Alexander. Mm. Like that's that's a direction that ultimately I feel like you want to be going in. Um, and like, but at the same time, and I, I went um, like three and a half stars on this, but it's like, you know, this is very much, you know, for a TNA, you know, masturbatory tribute show, like, you know, we're talking about masturbatory tribute matches. Like they, you have to have ultimate X on there, but yeah, I, I, yeah. One I really liked, I, you know, speaking of mm-hmm. matches yet to have, you know, we took the piss out of the stick, but I thought the Monsters Bowl match was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, uh, people are going to have their opinions on Sammy Callahan and, and, and Moose, mm-hmm. um, but as performers, I thought they, they delivered. I think Sammy Callahan yeah. always delivers, you know, in this environment. He's been Impact's MVP for the last three years, I would say. Moose's. Moose just gets better and better, you know. Um, as, as, it's not far behind. Yeah, Moose in that way. Moose has been very. He's going to be main event in WS as we uh, we talked about on the uh, on the pre-show. So, you know, he's gone from strength to strength in his uh, in his career. But as far as like, I I didn't think it was you know particularly logical or particularly uh, <laughs> it wasn't a story based match. It was just two lads doing nutty spots. As far as two yeah. lads doing nutty nutty spots goes, and that's kind of like big move spam. You know, Paul Heyman would love to get his hands on Moose because he basically does your your Paul Heyman type specials these days, doesn't he? A lot of spears, a lot of big big moves, and and go home. But the crowd were into it. The big spots were creative. You know, Sammy Callahan is uh, you know a, again for his faults a, a very very good performer and a, a very good character and in front of mm. this crowd, and he's over and Moose is over. They delivered, yeah, one of the, the standouts of the night, I thought. It was a really, really good bro. Yeah, I did as well. And I was just, just amazed that, like, kind of it it was vicious and violent. And Moose takes some, like, really big bumps in there as well. But it was, it was a monster's ball match. But it was actually, because it wasn't, like, didn't have abyss in it, I think it had all the benefit of that. And it was, you know, playing. And this is the other thing they've become very good on. You pick them up in the video packages there is a reason for this match to happen. Like they are telling stories in impact. Like there is reason, like, you know, we are kind of getting that. We are kind of getting the interactivity between uh, the interaction between the characters as well. So it did feel like kind of a payoff, like the kind of thing you would do on a big pay-per-view. And I think it, it, um, yeah, I, again, went three and a half stars on this. I thought this was a, was a lot of fun. There you go. I mean, what else stood up for you? And uh, as far as uh, stuff from the from the middle of the card, um, from the other stuff in the middle of the card, I mean, I mean, we could give a shout out to most things. I have to mention the sort of what was it the T the the um, Impact Originals versus Honor No More <laughs> stuff, which that was promo was great before the match. It, it went like oh, it felt very like Survivor Series. It felt very like you know me and Jeans yeah. backstage. You know, earthquakes, you know, pacing back and forth, and the bushpackers are ready to go. It was like I loved it. I, I, I felt you know, say, 
I think I thought like Nick Aldis nailed it. You know, why 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 are us four men together? You know, we speak different. We got different accents, and we're different. Like they just felt like a big Survivor series team. You know, Kazarian there with Saban and Shelley, and the teasing who their partner was going to be. Um, t- spoiler turned out to be Davy Richards, which I don't know. That's fun story for the, to pay off the Edward stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. I maybe expected something a bit more. But uh, I, I love a bit of Davy uh, Davy Richards on a on a good or bad day, so I'll I'll take it. But no, I love that. I, I love the love the story. I love the fact that yeah, that, you know, Honor No More has been this uh, faction trying to take over. So yeah, let's let's fight them off with some Impact Originals. And I thought the Impact Originals did a did a good job of establishing why they were there. You know, Nick Aldis, mm-hmm. one of the great. One of the great promos in wrestling. Don't know about as like an in ring worker, but like he's uh, fantastic at what he does, and yeah, he did a good job of getting oh, yeah. this over. Yeah, yeah, really did. Um, I, I, it felt like this was the end of On and No More, and really they kind of served their purpose for what you kind of need for them. I, I would, I would, I wonder if that would be the direction. I don't know. I don't have all the the kind of like spoilers for the. Um, impact i'll save that for the for the news update tomorrow um but it, it i did feel like slightly disappointed with the the davy Richards. i think at one point it would have been interesting if they'd had like kind of you know obviously they weren't going to get samoa joe in on loan or or anything Chris Elliott like says ec3 yeah that could have been one he, i i did wonder if it would be ec3 when dixie car was out there and we're going to introduce him as her <laughs> nephew um <laughs> But yeah, be uh, right for WWE now, doesn't he? But you know, but at, at the same time, for what it was, I thought it was it was kind of like again, like a lot of fun. Like I think the last one of these on a no more kind of wild brawls and the rest of it, they're they're generally quite enjoyable. Matt Taven's in his rightful role. Isn't it a sort of like as, tag team? Yeah, as a mid card tag team, yeah. As a mid card, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it feels, and Eddie Edwards for like you know, he's never someone I've like kind of really in, in, invested in in any kind of like meaningful way. But it makes sense bringing in back Davy Richards for that, and Davy Richards is kind of perfect for them to have in for a short run as a and a feud with Eddie Edwards, and they'll no don't have one a match at the next pay per view, and it's like that's the kind of role of what Impact should be doing. Get some money out of that, can't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say, elsewhere in the mid-card, like, I didn't think much of the match, really. Uh, Briscoes and Good Brothers, it was Briscoes versus Good Brothers, you know. Key, Briscoes key, key versus words, Briscoes, uh, mate, isn't yeah. it? Hey. I was going to say, keyword Good Brothers there is the is the issue, unfortunately, yeah. as uh, Carl Anderson said, you know, need a bigger crowd for him to bother his arse. But hey, they won the belts, and his, uh, it was a nice Instagram video of his, uh, his kids, still real to them, his kids uh, jumping up and down on the couch because he, uh, he won the Impact Tag Team titles. So there you go. K-Fabers alive in the uh, in the Anderson house. But uh, yeah, that was mate, a nice... He was nice watching that watch wrestling, wasn't he? They weren't <laughs> paying for that pay-per-view in that house. Oh, better than the missus going through his phone. But anyway, um, I thought the... Um... <laughs> Sorry. I thought the America's Most Wanted coming out. Uh, look, it happened. Oh. They put it on Instagram. But come on, it was public. Um, <laughs> America's Most Wanted coming out after was cool. And I like that they didn't yeah. feel the need on a feel-good pay-per-view to be like, ah, big fucking brawl. Somebody will get beaten up. No, Chris Harrison, James Storm came out and they wanted to be with the lads and all the lads had a nice beer together. I'm not saying I'd like to have a beer with these six men. I feel like the political discussion that they, they probably end up having oh. would be one I wouldn't want to be involved in. But six big lads having a beer together in the ring, toasting, you know, 20 years of TNA. James Stone got to cut a promo. Everyone went home happy. 
ah, that was nice, you know. Briscoes probably should be a little bit more annoyed than not the tag champions anymore. But outside of that, you know, yeah. celebration pay per view. Why not do that instead of a, you know, get another schmoz or whatever? You, all the lads can have a beer and go home happy. Why not? Yeah, maybe swing by the capital in the US <laughs> while they're there because that, that feels like very much the vibe, the vibe of that. But uh, the way that conversation would be going. But no, do you know what? For what it was, it was like you said about Chris Harris appearing on air. I was like, no, he's not in any kind of shape. I was fearful when he came out. I was like, oh no, like they're going to have him wrestle. Like James Storm looks good for it. You wouldn't have imagined it at the time with Chris Harris. And Chris Harris was like kind of like he was a big deal in like kind of TNA. He was one of their like I think even really before kind of AJ they were pushing him as like their guy to be like that kind of in the main event scene and he was in a King of the Mountain match. Obviously didn't win because Jeff had to win that stuff. But I thought it itself was a was a nice moment. I thought this match was as good as it was going to be for like these there the Briscoes continue to just work their fucking asses off to try and get anything good out of stuff and it was it was like kind of a fine moment for that. But yeah, uh, I was just glad that America's Most Wanted weren't wrestling. Should have brought Elix Skipper back in and yeah, should have got Christopher Daniels in on loan. Mm, I thought they'd be the, as part, or at least Daniels, part of the uh, the uh, the big, uh, the, the honor no more match. Yeah, surprised that mm. didn't happen. Um, oh, well, there you go. Any thoughts on anything else on the show? Uh, knockout tag or the... Um, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't actually see the uh, the um, Queen of the Mountain match. I uh, I was running oh. low on time before the uh, the show and ended up uh, choosing that to skip. Did I make a mistake? I, I was fully prepared. Like I hate the uh, as a gimmick, it's awful. But as a match, like I mean, the notable thing is the kind of crazy bump that Diana Perazzo and Chelsea Green took off the ladder. Like considering how these things could have been like a shit show, I thought I thought it was quite good. And in fact, I thought the knockouts match was better than I thought it would be. And it kind of just led this credence to, again, you know, it's not that we blow hot and cold on the knockouts division and impact. It's just at times it feels like it kind of goes through bits of stasis where it'll be like, all right, now is the obligatory Rosemary defense or you get Tyre Valkyrie involved. But generally, I thought like this was like a, a pretty well but match most people kind of came out looking e- uh, looking equal they had like savannah evans who you know with tasha steels who has improved and i thought in this match took some like kind of like quite vicious bumps but the fact jordan grace won i was like good like again rather like mike bailey it's it's still like a kind of relatively fresh face and that and then it feels like she's been kind of spinning her heels as they have a do in agenda matches for like the digital media title and stuff whereas it felt here if you looked at it and you thought actually there's there's a decent there's a decent division here with with kind of what they have and people are getting better and improving and you know th- these were matches i mean i went um for the uh i went three and a half for the queen of the mountain match mm. on that and i went um and i went two and a half on the um on the knockouts tag and again it may sound sound like a slight but like I've I've no interest in Tennille Dashwood at all but <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, no. a really fun show what a show like I say lots of nice moments lots of nice callbacks you know they did have you know I think overall you know even a Billy 
you know, knocking around backstage, didn't they? You know, they did the uh, did the best they could with who was available. You know, got as as much yeah. as, as what you could. You know, there's an odd name there, like a like an EC3 that was uh, potentially missing, who maybe they could have got, but maybe they were, uh, you know, giving the uh, the CYN stuff a, a wide berth. Uh, to answer Mikey in the chat, yes, that is still a thing, um, sadly, um, <laughs> but oh well. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think as far as that, as a way of uh, honouring their past, it was as as good as it could be, and yeah, you know, very very enjoyable. Uh, a show over the uh, the weekend. Uh, I was going to say, should we get into some other stuff we've been watching? I watched some uh, yeah. some GCW, but uh, before I get into that, JP, I think you want to uh, <laughs> do you want to talk some Triple Mania? Do you want to try and explain oh, to us uh, what you watched there, mate? I, I tried to do it just oh. with some results on the uh, on the news update yesterday. <laughs> John Morrison main evented. I mean, that tells you. you know, oh. Johnny Hardy was he? Um, Johnny Hardy. He came out as Johnny Caballero, it said, but it was Johnny Hardy kind of dressed as uh, as as Matt Hardy, and they they sort of yeah, as they yes, lost yes. to Dragon Lee and um, lost to him and Matt. Um, but yeah, they mentioned about like kind of Jeff Hardy very briefly, but it felt like a very AAA thing to do is to replace him there. Look, it was it was. I mean, it's another weird stadium show with like quite a lot of military vibes around the place. Very odd. The mystery of what was on um, Hugo Savinovich's desk is something that is like wasn't really quite quite answered there. It was exactly as you'd expect it to be. It's like kind of a mess of a of a triple mania show. But yeah, the, I don't know. I didn't. I have to confess, I kind of skipped through the main event for the um, the because I had no interest in watching Matt Hardy and um, Johnny Nitro, John Morrison. In, in 2022 but I mean, the obvious match was the like the kind of the multi-man match for the um it was like for the cruiserweight title um it was the uh who was it el hio de vikingo phoenix um taurus bandido and laredo kid and it was for the triple a world cruiserweight and latin american title five-way match and phoenix had won that and was, sorry, was it for the better on paper than a reality title as well? Um. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, I saw people going like quite high on the app, and it was averaging around four point one seven, three and a half. There's a lot, of, <laughs> lot of flipping about. Vikingo right. nearly, nearly killed himself a couple of times. Usual crack. Like it is exactly what you'd expect it to be. It's just that they are all generally very good. And guess what? Taurus played base. You know, <laughs> it was what it was. They had a, what was it, a copper triple mania match, which Nino Hamburguesa won. He shit. Big lad. Him and Big Mammy. No, is that not ring any bells? Nope. No, fair enough, quite wisely. Um, uh, they had a mask versus mask match because they obviously had to have a seven-way cage match with all masked uh, women in there as well. And uh, Chick Tormentor unmasked. Like, I was like, great. Hey, Chick Tormentor. Chick Tormentor, but in the Copper Triple trip, uh, Triple Mania match, the next to you, Sorry. Vampira came out mm. during it. Mm. Like it was mad. Like he was actually like kind of wrestling for a bit. Like fucking silly at his age. I Conan, he was wearing an ICP t-shirt. A big award. Yeah, paying pay tribute to the Deadpool. Yep, he did. He did have an ICP t-shirt on. In fairness, he looked in good nick. In fairness, much better than Conan, who they were like because it was in Tijuana. They did a. They did a big event for old Charlie Ashenoff. God love him. <laughs> in brackets. Um, bigging him up. Carlos. So, like, 
Oh, <laughs> loving that stuff. Um, so like, yeah, and there would, and, and you know, it had some cool moments, but he looked actually quite old, quite frail. It reminded me of my uncle um, in some ways. Um, but yeah, they they had him do do that. It was, and then they're building up to what is it? Sci- uh, Pentagon Junior versus Viano Four at the next Triple Mania because they both lost the Ruleta della Murta semi semi final matches. So one of them will lose their mask. It should be Viano Four. He's one of the old lads. Bit of cash in hand. Fair enough. Like that's that's what he should be getting. There's no there's no way in hell Pentagon Junior should be anywhere near fucking unmasking. Although we've seen him without his mask several times. Yeah, <laughs> in Dead. hotels in Wolverhampton. Oh yeah, <laughs> lad with glasses. It's like yeah, just a couple of Mexican him. lads in Oberhausen, um, <laughs> as always. But it was uh, it, it it. I mean, it, it's AAA. And it is what it is. Like, I love all, I love the presentation, particularly like the kind of big screens that they have with the consistent running of like adverts. For some reason, it makes it look more major league. I don't know why that is. Like, I should hate product placement, but for some reason, it makes it seem important, even if I've no idea what lots of these, what lots of these products are. And my God, they had so much hit, big, like, like, um, big hairband music. From like the kind of eighties and nineties, just like filled with it. Marissa Pena with the urn, like, and the picture of the dead brother and the dead husband. They're right. that shit going. Ah, oh, mate, front row. And she was a bit pissed. My girlfriend <laughs> said she didn't even look like a real human being, and I went, "She just a, she just carries an urn." And I got the impression that she was more that she's more like missing the brother than she is the husband. She went over and kind of looked a bit more with with old Antonio. <laughs> yeah, did all that shit. All totally. great stuff. Oh, amazing! Well, there you go. Triple Mania. What well, I was at the fourth Triple Mania this year. Second. Third. That's the second one. Okay, and third's coming up. Proper one. End of August. Well, forty review, mate. <laughs> you do it till the rest of us don't have to. Canary in the yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh well, my recommend edition uh, from this week. Obviously, I watched the, a very good match this week, and mm. of course, I'm talking about Riddle versus Roman Reigns um, from SmackDown. Uh, I was saying that it was all right. Uh, I think what I did enjoy actually didn't mention it last week. Mentioned it on uh, on B the B. Ricochet Walter from last week's uh, SmackDown. Very good. Very very good. Close, okay. Goes close to close to four stars on that. Maybe 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 a three point seven five Beno special. It's a WWE TV match after all, and you know Walter looks like he could do with a you know. Two stone worth of body weight back on him because he's Ricochet looked bigger than him at points, and which is probably not what you want when Walter's supposed to be the. Uh, how, how mad is it that we're talking about that about Walter? Like, what a what the fuck? I mean, but, he, but he's smart. I, I tell you what, Walter is gonna make it. Like in WWE, I am gonna eat my words that he was gonna flame out and be in uh-huh. pro and back in Europe by October. Like he's cracked it. You know, if Vince McMahon remains in charge or Bruce Pritchard or somebody like that. You know, he's winning them over. Like they're the reports, aren't they? You know, he's a he's a muscular, you know, trim lad now, you know, he's 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 playing the um Austrian slash German heel really mm. well. You know, you got Axel Dieter on the uh, on the outside, uh, doing uh, doing a full manager stuff like a like a, like a conducting an, an orchestra type uh, character. He's good in the role. Yeah, it was a you know, it was a maybe a step down from what a what a Walter uh, couple of steps down probably with an Osprey uh, a Walter Ricochet or a Walter Osprey type indie match mm. uh, would be and I saw a couple of those Walter Osprey uh, 
matches, but yeah, killer match on, uh, on SmackDown last week, JP. Really enjoyed it. But no, the, uh, the the point I was uh, really going to make is uh, from this week's uh, GCW show also took place on the on the nineteenth of uh, June. Um, we preview a lot of these JP, and then we uh, we let them happen, and we never actually talk about yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, Tony Depp and Moxley was on the uh, the night before, which uh, got some uh, good grapple ratings too. But Nick Wayne, Will Ospreay, um, from uh, from Sunday's show. Uh, that one okay. was the I never liked you. Um, show there, really fun, really fun, really good. Um, got to be careful. Got to punk the brakes. Like. Do we know whether Nick Wayne's going to be great or not? No, he's fucking what is he sixteen? Like you know, yeah, might be seventeen. Yeah, for, there's every chance this is the peak of his career, and you know, yeah. throwing him in with the Wolves in a GCW or whatever is probably a mistake. It was probably too early, and you know, maybe things don't work out. On the other, on the other hand, maybe they do. He ends up a big star in wrestling, and you know, everybody ends up right. I'm not making a determination on that based on. You know this one match or the other appearances I've uh, I've seen him do in GCW, but as far as presentation of him goes, this was just it was perfect. Like Will Osprey was incredible in this match. Like as much as I enjoyed, you know, the match with Dax from from AEW this week. Like as an individual Osprey performance, like I said it on Twitter. I'm not going to change any minds. The people who hate Will Ospreay hate Will Ospreay, whether that's for out of the ring or really, you know, the people who hate his in-ring, they're not going to change their minds either. I'm not saying go out and watch this match and it's going to change anything for you. I think your opinion's going to be the same either way. But I would say, as someone who does enjoy Osprey's uh, in-ring work, like I thought he was brilliant. It was like watching him wrestle a young version of himself and... I say that in like I know that's you know that's an easy thing to say, but it was true in every moment of the match. Like you could tell he knew where to be to get Nick Wayne over as much as he can. He knew where to post, he knew where to give Nick Wayne that little bit of a boost, he knew where to be in each individual moment, he knew, knew the best way to bump off a you know Nick Wayne's offense. It really was like watching somebody wrestle some you know himself from eight, nine years ago and just and just know when he was that young, what he needed was a vet, like a modern day Will Ospreay to guide him through the match and be in the right places and call the right spots because yeah, it was it was an unbelievable, you know, one man performance in here. Nick Wayne looked great too, you know, as uh, as flying spots and you know getting in there some some memorable you know big things in there. Sort of a lot of criticism for the you know they did that spot where Osprey backflips off the top rope and we're all supposed oh, to marvel because yeah. he lands on his feet. Don't get me wrong, I hate that spot too. I hate more the fans who still pop for that spot like it's the most amazing thing they've ever seen. Make you saw a backflip in a match that had probably. 1800 or the backflips it's really not that impressive that Osprey did a backflip off the top mm. rope he does it all the fucking time I don't really get what we're supposed to be marvelling at but you know blame Osprey for constantly putting out in his match and you know to an extent you can blame uh, Nick Wayne as well for kind of selling it in the way he probably expects you're supposed to sell that big spot but that aside you know there were loads of great exchanges in this one and it was just yeah a lot of fun really I went I, w- I went 4.25 and it that seems to be sick at the the grapple average which is 4.23 i think that's appropriate you know i'm not calling it a five-star match or anything that nick wayne isn't having a five-star match at at this point in his career no. it was a it was a it was a really well-worked you know students versus you know elder statesman type wrestler you know 
that worked really well. You could tell that it ain't impressed Osprey. Osprey, you know, did the, you know, the the tour and wrestler thing on the mic afterwards, and uh, and put Nick Wayne over as well. And this is a match that I think a lot of people are gonna see. It's gonna put for better or worse. It's gonna put Nick Wayne on the map, and you know, people are gonna expect big things out of that kid because yeah, he looked uh, he looked very good in this match, and you know, a lot of that was Osprey, but you know, gotta give him some credit as well. I'm gonna have to see that. It really does sound like something that's worthwhile seeing because, again, like, you know, Nick Wayne heard of it. He's coming over. He's, he's booked for progress, isn't he? Again, that like, feels which I hope his mum's come. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah. Like, his mum better be coming. Like, I've got no problem with the 16-year-old wrestling. Well, maybe I'd, uh, no problem probably isn't right. But if his mum's there, as she was in this show, and Osprey pointed that out yeah. after the match, made a pretty bad joke about how, you know, did you meet my dad at any point because Nick Wayne's uh, like my brother or son. I uh, <laughs> don't know whether you want to say that to a widow, but anywho, you know, uh. she took it well enough. <laughs> and you know, She seems like a lovely woman all involved, and it's cool that she still goes to her, all of her son's matches. Oh, it's crucial. I hope he's not travelling alone at that age to uh, to come to the no. UK and work progress of all places. Um, I'm sure he's not. He seems to be a well looked after kid. Even if you just lean, listen to like Alvarez and that, you know, talk about him, they all see him as yeah. like a, an adoptive son. Um, you know, he's got people. And he's got time. Him, so it, he's a, he's you know, is it right that Wayne Rooney got into you know the Everton side at a similar age? No, but he did. And that's just kind of sports, isn't it? Um, it feels like one of those yeah. situations. As long as the right people are around them, it is what it is. It's the grounding stuff, isn't it? Like Bakayo Saka and his family, who clearly, like, he's got a strict mum, basically, which is probably the best thing you can have. Not only just keeping you fucking in check and, and the rest of it at, at that kind of age. But, yeah. No, no, I've, I look forward to seeing that. Also, as well, Mikey mentions there in the chat about Jake Lee versus Miyahara. Um, like, yeah, I... I'd like to, I'd like to catch up on that as well. I mentioned about Epic Encounter wanting to to still catch up on on that and that velocities versus Aussie Open match in particular. Um, but no, it's it's also you mentioned about like that kind of a match. It feels like GCW miss those kind of matches a lot. They don't really have those in the middle of their card very often. It feels like it's very much the exception and not the rule. Oh, so not one of the best wrestlers in the world on the show. So, you know, yeah. No, no. <laughs> if you were on that Wouldn't Vegas I? show, mate, I might have, uh, I might have saw things mm. a little bit differently. Yeah. But yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I hope, uh, I hope, you know, all more people see it. Um, it was a nice little special match, but yeah, that's kind of it as far as, uh, all the matches, uh, to recommend on my end. Anything else you've seen JP? How's MLW doing? I I haven't seen it this week. I've been uh I've been, I've been all passed out. I should I should have. Don't. I was at the There we go. <laughs> Caught one. I was away on holiday for that. Stop it. <laughs> Not just giving. I'm gonna. I'm building myself up. I'm gonna. I'm gonna binge. I'm gonna binge it on the plane. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the plane yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> that will be it. Actually, like well, what it depends how much they're charging I... for Wi-Fi. I saw a great uh, tweet from uh, it was it Renee? Uh, oh no, no, it wasn't. It was a, a screenshot of Mox's book, and he was talking about all his favorite indie matches. We should go through that. That'd be a great mixtape. Just Moxley's favorite. It wasn't just indie matches. It was like matches from Japan and things like that. And he mentioned Necro Joe, and he said that he on a, on a flight somewhere he forced Renee to watch it. <laughs> just like <laughs> I was like, what a! I hope she liked it. Uh, she probably did. How can you not like Necro Joe? But uh, <laughs> oh, but that forehead, the power slam. Like, oh. just be like, she'd be upset at that. That's one of them. She used to get very, 
Yeah, that, that got lost a bit in the, uh, obviously, me and you being away and stuff. But if you haven't checked it out, that mixtape episode we did is worth it. Just for Garrett's res- uh, response to, the, oh. to that match and to that spot specifically. Um, but yeah, you know, maybe you can uh, you can put the misses through it, mate, and uh, and do a Moxley on the plane. I, it might be a struggle, but I'll try. I don't know. She was quietly watching sort of like some of Slammiversary over my shoulder, and she seemed to think that was all right. And even bits of Triple Mania when I was pointing out, yeah, dead, like, that's why he died. That's who Art Barr is. And I was like, oh, okay. I was going, it got pretty grisly pretty quickly. <laughs> Very true. But yeah, if you've got uh, nothing else uh, there to, uh, no, to, to plug, uh, we'll throw a plug in for our mates that are up next. Chris points out in the chat, yeah, as we just yes. got some, uh, some GCW. They got an interview up with Gringo Loco. Uh, I saw that today. I'll be. Uh, it's going to be on their free. I think it's on their free feed, isn't it? So yeah, check that. Uh, check that out if you're interested. Definitely. Uh, in that, there you go. Um, other than that, yeah, BWE was uh, was on Thursday listening to uh, Ollie and uh, and Jamesy. If you haven't already, it was a uh, was a fun listen. Lots going on on the Patreon, JP. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts? Yeah. No, no, that's that's pretty much it. I'm I'm just grateful I've managed to get through to the end of the episode without uh, with, without entirely collapsing. So, like, yay, yay me tea and just again to stress from the pre-show chat, I've been drinking Brewdog's cola, fucking sewer water, absolutely <laughs> vile. And the only reason I bought it is it was one of those ripped packages that you get in, um, like you know sometimes they'll sell for like seventy mm, p. Very cheap. Like and you get it like seventy p. I thought I'll try it, like just on fucking principle. I I don't know if it's a waste of seventy p, but I don't feel I've got seventy p's worth of value. <laughs> that doesn't it. feel like a bargain. Like that doesn't really feel that no. down, does it? For a coke. But it was in the fridge, and the fucking kids had drunk all the other stuff. So I was like, all right, I'm just left with this now. Am I? Uh, I've been doing a tour of different root beers, mate. I tried like this bottled one from oh. Tesco today. Can't remember the brand. Didn't work out. I'll stick to me Mezzo Mix. There you go. Get yourself a fire, guys. Yes. Right. You got it on draft if anyone didn't listen to the pre-show. God's juice. Mezzo Mix. And Schwippischwap, if that's what it is. That <laughs> I'm a Schwippschwap. Yeah, that was the, uh, that was oh. the, that was, that was the Pepsi variant, mate. Uh, orange and Cola Mix. Those Germans are wild. Uh, but yeah. Get yourself a nice diesel Coke and, Coke and Beer Mix. There. Hopefully get another one of them at some point. <laughs> Pop down to a... Uh, Tagley, yeah, like point of Kevin Nash, <laughs> big daddy cool. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, plenty going on with a grapple uh, Patreon that uh, that people can check out. And yeah, as we said earlier, grappleapp.com/support. If we talked you into ordering for Forbidden Door, uh, if you're gonna buy it anyway, might as well get it through our link. Even though we didn't do a very good yeah. job of uh, promoting it, but there you go. I think that's uh, <laughs> it for us for the show. We will catch you again for a regular spotlight next week. Bye. Cheers, all.
Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.